give if you I'm going to Pitt, Penn State, I'm not going to be drinking uh, Diet Cokes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. yeah. You could Uber up there. I bet the Uber isn't oh, that expensive. Yo, that's not expensive at all, right? I bet you could check it out right hour now. Drive. Can I tell the guy not to talk for the entirety of the ride? <laughs> <laughs> you can, but it might not work. Because if I get you somebody that's yapping word. for two and a half hours, that's, you know. I'm going to beat the him like a rented mule. <laughs> Why do you beat the rented mules? Well, because you don't know. it. it's not yours. It's yeah, not yours. you don't care what happens yeah. to it. That yeah. much I know. You know. Does Mike Lang still use beat him like a rented mule? Yeah. Yeah. No one rents mules anymore, Mike. Thank God we all own mules. Now You're checking that Uber slaves. thing, are you? This is an interesting idea. I'm going to look at it here in the break. I'm going to go to you commercial break. Come back. Rent a mule. We're going to go. <laughs> Faster! <laughs> Faster! The pregame show starts! Just make sure you beat it with a baby seal. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's six minutes after six at DVE. Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Center 11. It's 60 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Wind chimes and a gleaming steel and concrete tower now commemorate the people who kept hijackers from flying a plane into the U.S. Capitol 17 years ago this week. The 93-foot-tall Tower of Voices, dedicated yesterday, will include 40 wind chimes, one for each person on United Airlines Flight 93. Passengers and crew members overpowered the hijackers and crashed the jetliner in a field near Shanksville. And uh, that happened September 11, 2001. Yesterday's ceremony dedicated the final piece of the 2,200-acre Flight 93 National Memorial. (laughs) President Trump will visit Memorial (coughs) Plaza tomorrow. New York City will mark the 17th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks with several events uh, tomorrow. The September 11th Memorial and Museum will hold its annual ceremony. That'll be on the 9-11 Memorial Plaza at the World Trade Center site and will remember the nearly 3,000 people who died in the attacks. Houses of worship in the city will toll their bells in conjunction with the first moment of silence at 8.46 a.m., the time when the first plane hit the North Tower. Later in the day, the Port Authority will hold their annual remembrance service at 2 p.m. to remember their employees who died. Former CBS CEO Les Moonves says he's deeply saddened to be leaving the company following accusations of sexual misconduct. In a statement, Moonves says the numerous allegations were not true and not consistent with who he is. A dozen women have accused Moonves of misconduct, six of the 12 coming to light this weekend. In a New Yorker article published Sunday morning, the women claim Moonves exposed himself to them, was physically violent and threatened to hurt their careers. As part of a deal that brought about this exit, Moonves and CBS will donate $20 million towards the Me Too movement. Did you read the article that came out about what he did to Janet Jackson after that Super Bowl in 2004? He purposely made it a quest to ruin her career because she didn't, you know, come to him and apologize in a way that he felt he deserved. Timberlake did, and he let Timberlake back on, but she had an album coming out. He just didn't, he wouldn't let any of her videos, he wouldn't let anything, any promotional materials on any of Viacom's stuff. Like he talked about it for years and years, just trying to shelf her opportunities and, and ruin her career. There's just a lot of similar sounding figures in all of these stories. These guys all have the same MO. Mm hmm. 
Do you talk to your coworkers about sensitive topics? A study found plenty of people share personal stuff with their coworkers, including things about their love life. They say that's probably because, according to the study, 82% of respondents said they work with someone they consider a friend. The most common sensitive topics coworkers share with each other conflict with other coworkers. That's the number one mm-hmm. thing that uh, sensitive mm-hmm. thing they talk about. Love life uh, comes in second. After that, it's health issues and financial issues. Hey, Pam, see me after lunch. Got something I want to drill down on. It's about my sex life. <laughs> want to get your angle on this. I'll double back. If you could reach out to some people in HR to make sure they're aware of my discussing my predilection for (laughs) granny porn to you later today, I'd appreciate it. A new study says the person you're hooking up with on Tinder could be a psychopath. The Dutch study found that almost one in four people on the dating app are already in a committed relationship, and those people are more likely to be psychopaths than singles on the site. Study's author says non-single people who were also on Tinder reported higher scores on neuroticism and psychopathic behaviors than non-single people who were not on Tinder. They also reported more casual hookups than single users, which isn't that what Tinder is for? Yeah, I thought. Yeah. The study suggests people with those personality traits might be more susceptible to using dating apps for infidelity purposes, which there are plenty of those sites available. Ashley Madison. Then yeah. There's there's some there's another one that I read about last week. Some other girl's name. Another girl's name like Ashley Madison. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't know. There's just plenty of specific situational hookup availability yeah. on the internet. Yep. And Tinder has become that. Like I don't. I think it was one of the first popularized apps that that people were using to kind of find people in a way that wasn't well, like I'm, I'm not on match.com no, i'm not looking for a husband or a wife wasn't it adult friend finder oh my god yeah <laughs> but wasn't that wasn't that like i don't know wasn't that like super porn vibes i don't know i i just remember it was like that one sounds like it's a, just a porno you site. look for people like around you adult is, friend finder isn't that what tinder is you you like it's just the, yeah. the radius of wherever you yeah, are. Yeah, it's a geographical kind of map. I would love to follow the afternoon slash evening of a person who was not internet savvy and got pulled into one of those hot women in your neighborhood <laughs> ads that pop up, right? right? And then you're like made to be like, oh my God, this woman wants to have sex right now and, my, <laughs> and she's she lives close? She's right around the corner. I have got to hit her up. She's ready to talk. Yeah. Exactly. She's t- and then he starts chatting with her, then sets up a meeting, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And then the picture that he has is like some like you know blonde milfian looking woman, you know, and and he's like got this in his head like this woman's beautiful. I can't believe my luck. And then he shows up at like a king's restaurant out by the highway <laughs> to meet up with her. Right. And then it ends up being like a five foot one Filipino woman <laughs> with a cleft palate, and she comes limping around the corner. <laughs> With open sores. The guy going, no, it's not you. It's <laughs> Debbie. And she's like, I'm sorry. Uh, Warner Brothers dominating the box office. That sounded weekend. like it had happened to me. I mean, that was so, it yeah, had so many details. It really, yeah. it sounded like. What did it, you get? The vegetable soup? It's yeah, really it's good. It's really Kings. good.
Uh, the the new release, The Nun, the weekend's oh God, top the film, earning $53.5 million, its first week in theaters in the U.S. and Canada, coming in second, Warner Brothers film Crazy Rich Asians. It's grossed uh, just over $136 million since its release four weeks ago. This is a huge movie. Uh, rounding I don't out know the top anybody five that's or... seen it. It makes all this money, and I still don't know anybody that's seen it. I would go see it. I just haven't been to a movie in a long time. But... Because, because you're afraid your house is washing away and you need to be there to batten <laughs> right. down the hatches at all times? Yes. Rounding out the top five are Peppermint, Searching, and uh, Mission Impossible Fallouts. Elton John said goodbye to rapper Mac Miller over the weekend at the start of his farewell tour Saturday in Allentown. He paid tribute to the 26-year-old who died Friday of an apparent drug overdose. Elton John dedicated his performance of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me to Miller, saying the death of someone so talented was inconceivable. I I didn't know a lot about Mac's music and career. Uh, Other than his involvement with everybody. So many people in this building were good friends with him. Mikey and Mm -hmm. Bob and Kathy. Uh, And Bonix back in the day, I know Bonix helped him with his first mixtape. But I I read so many posts about his latest album. It's so good. And John Mayer wrote a long one. He was he recorded. Yeah, he played on it. And he said, "Small world." This was basically about to be his blow up. This was going to be his year, and his live show was going to be unlike any other hip hop artists. And he was poised to break out in a huge, huge way, only adding to the uh, enormous tragedy of yeah, uh, that kid's death. Yeah, it was devastating, man. It's you—you you knew that this was not intentional. Like this, what? Like, there's rumors that it was an overdose, and and I don't, I don't doubt those rumors. I'm just saying that it was not any kind of intentional suicide kind of thing because all he was talking about was, man, I can't wait for this tour to start. And it was just about to. He was coming to Pittsburgh, I think. <clears throat> a bunch of friends of mine had tickets to go in November. He tweeted out, I just want to go on tour right now. I'm about to pull the bus up next to the venue two two months early. Yep. So he had to wait two more months to go out on tour. Um, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it was, more, it was uh, a scenario where opioids and alcohol mixed, because that's what's killing so many people. Yeah. They're taking opioids, drinking, and not realizing, thinking, oh, I can handle it. I'm not even stoned. Because your body becomes acclimated to it. And then you don't even think you're that messed up. And it just shuts your respiratory system down. Yeah, it was weird. There's a lot of people putting stuff out this uh, this weekend. And I was online and there was a, this documentary that he had recently done on Fader. And basically he was he like references all this stuff. He talks about how he, weed didn't calm him down anymore. It just made him more in his head. So he was just looking for something a little bit above that and then the problem is is that once you find a drug you like and you have this much money you can buy a lot of it Mm -hmm. and that's like everybody that i grew up with and this kind of hit right (laughs) as close to home as it could hit for me because i grew up in frick park right i hung out at blue slide i went to alderdice right and it was wild because i'm 12 years older than him but it was like he was rapping about every single thing we had done. Mm-hmm. Frick Park Market is a place I used to get lunch. Like he, my best friend that I grew up with, babysat him and his brother. And so there was this one degree of separation where, like, all the kids that I went to school with loved hip hop, and there was a couple bands. There was this this group called Strict Flow that was 
really good but just didn't have enough to to take right. it to the national level and we thought oh man like nobody's ever going to be able to come out of Pittsburgh but the people that I was in school with ended up founding Rostrum Records Benji Grimberg and and uh and Artie Pitt who was a big part of that and then they put Wiz and Mac on and then all of a sudden it's just crazy like the thing that I'm so sad about is that the, the way that he evolved like from if you listen to his first album Blue Slide Park mm-hmm. and then listen to Swimming it's amazing how much he grew you know that's what bums me out about it yeah it's uh, Just, it's really sad he couldn't get out of his head he had way more talent than i think a lot of people who don't know anything right. about hip hop you're looking or, at from it you're from like oh that tattooed altitude. drug addict dude right you know i think it'd be very easy for people people to dismiss him that way but uh people who know were speaking of him as a great talented and a important artist, so that it's it's sad on so many levels. His Pittsburgh ties, his youth, uh, and uh, all of the art that we're going to miss out on. So it's a sad story, and there's for sure people listening, like Bill said, who had a relationship with that guy, like our buddy John Binley from John Binley Hardware Company. Yep, who wrote the song Three Rivers? He grew up with them. Was like best buddies, like when they were kids, sleepovers, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know how many people's lives were affected by that. It's just so sad, man. I know it's like not, you know, it's not the the music genre that that this station represents, but like he's everything that we represent in terms of like repping Pittsburgh. L- look at any of his yeah. stuff or listen to any of his music. He's always wearing a Pirates something, a, a Penguins something, a Steelers something. Like he just carried this city with him everywhere and he wore a heath miller jersey for that stage AE concert that was it last year to start the year or was that two years ago I think it was two years ago it was week one of the of or the home opener for the steelers he waved the terrible towel before the game and then had a show that night at stage AE. oh yeah i went to that show insane weren't you backstage on that one yeah yeah and it was just you know it was the first time i got to meet him and his brother and his brother works for his brother is an amazing artist too he's a graphic design artist and he designs like all of his album covers and um he actually works for uh one of my really good friends growing up's family business like they like there's so many connections right if you grew up on the east end you know anywhere near point breeze or regent square squirrel hill you you knew him if not directly one degree separation right Forecast today, rain, upper 60s. It's 58 at DVE. Well, the Steelers season started yesterday, sadly. Did it? <laughs> with a sister kiss and tie of the lowly Browns. The only bright spots of this entire debacle were, one, the no Browns walk. still didn't win. That's true. Two, the Steelers are still undefeated. In fact, the whole division is undefeated after week one, <laughs> as Gene Collier pointed Nobody out lost. to me yesterday. It ended much later than it should have and much sadder than it should have. Sideline. TJ Watt. It was... That's a bright spot in yesterday's oh, game. What a game. James Connor. TJ. James Connor. if he doesn't fumble, it's all we're talking Still about had today. A good game. All we're talking about today. Ben Roethlisberger started the season with his worst game maybe ever. Or since that Jacksonville game. We had five turnovers yesterday. 
Two fumbles, three picks for Ben yesterday. And they still should have beat the Browns. An awful start to the season. Mike will have the eulogy when we come back. I mean, you gotta gotta say it's weather, right? It had a a lot of it. For sure. Had a lot to do with it. No doubt about it. The weather sucks. Mike has the sports coming up next, but no excuses here, Val. You know how the Steelers roll. Moving on to Casey. Jerry Dulac, Tim Benz, Stan Saverin, all joining us this hour to talk Steeler football. They're 0 0 and 1. 0 0 0 and 1. Oh, 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 oh. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show, and it wasn't pretty in any way, shape, or form in Cleveland yesterday, Mike. I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> that's how, how I look. You look at it. I thought it was fascinating. Okay. Elaborate. Uh, There was a lot to like, and there was a lot to make you want to pull your hair out. Uh, It's a rivalry again. The Browns are better. If you don't see that, you're not paying attention. And uh, if you look at the Chris Boswell field goal that he missed in overtime from 42 yards away, that was what they did multiple times last year. This time he just missed it by a foot. Yep. That's who they are. That's who they've been. The Steelers are not a dominating cusp of the Super Bowl. They should kick the crap out of everybody kind of team, particularly not in an opening game. We emphasized going into the weekend, Mike Tomlin saying, we're not a finished product. We're going to have to get better continually. We're a long way away. That's what's on display in week one in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. There was not yeah. a lot of great play, I didn't think. So yeah, it started Thursday night, right? Yeah. The only difference is Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if anybody Oh, my God. Line. Dear he Lord. He got better in the second half, didn't he? Mm-hmm. After they carted him off with yeah. what looked like a season-ending knee injury, he came back and single-handedly beat the Bears. On one leg. Uh, that's that's a different guy. But, uh, no, I, I thought that – and, you know, the weather added to it to me. The people in that stadium rooting for both teams, standing there, getting drenched the whole time. The whole time. Uh Fascinating stuff. I, I was wondering I if you were going to love the weather or if you were nah, going to come and say it was miserable. I'm a bad weather guy in football. I don't know yeah. why. It's probably some kind of character flaw. No. But uh, no, I think it's uh, there's a nostalgia involved in it, too. Maybe. Uh, Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. It was uh, 21-21. No winners, no losers. Just the Steelers and the Browns having at it. And uh, it was hard to process. If you're still having a hard time processing it, you're not alone. Uh, here's Mike Tomlin's uh, somewhat extended analysis. I'm appreciative of of the efforts um, of the men. Obviously, it was some extraordinary effort at times. Um, we got to play better. Um, got to play better to ensure victory. Um, that's what we talked about in there. That's what I told the group. Uh, you turn the ball over the way we did, and you don't get turnovers, particularly in a hostile environment. Man, you don't have a very good chance to win. Um, it's because of those efforts we were in the game. You know, um, but not enough to win today. Um, we take responsibility for that. We tip our cap to the Browns. They, they played tough, competitive ball. Um, we got to be better, and uh, we intend to be. Uh, but today was what it was. Uh, we'll analyze tomorrow and and move forward. Yeah, it was what it was, and it was twenty-one-seven Steelers. Midway through the fourth quarter, uh, the Browns punted. And the Steelers took over with 7.44 to play on their 18-yard line. At that point, many of the Cleveland fans were heading for the exits. Yep. Before they got there, Miles Garrett knocked the ball out of James Conner's hands. Jabril Peppers picked it up and ran it back to the one-yard line. 
and all of a sudden it was 21-14 and it was a game again. And then it was just crazy from there. Yeah. Uh, both teams turning it over. Uh, both teams missing field goals in overtime. The last one uh, on a T.J. Watt block. You guys played the clip uh, before the break. I mean, could have lost. Could have lost right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, T.J. was spectacular. He had four sacks. Uh, James Conner had 135 rushing and I think 57 receiving. But he had a key fumble. Are you going to beat him up in his first start if he fumbles the ball? Or are you going to say, hey, guy did pretty well. Pretty fair Le'Veon Bell impersonation other than the fumble. Uh, the defense uh, did not leave guys running open all over the field. Uh, they used a lot of different packages. It looked like they were settling in on three safeties and three corners as the kind of package of choice on on passing downs or possession downs. And that seemed to go pretty well. Browns made some plays. They're better at receiver. They're better at running back. Uh, Miles Garrett's an animal. He, he is an absolute no per- doubt. first overall pick town. If you watched that Bears-Packers game last night, Khalil Mack was trying to win that single-handedly at times for Chicago. Yeah. G- Garrett is that kind of talent. And Ben held the ball a little too long a couple times. That's that, At least two times. Those fumbles. That's who he is. That's what he does. Uh didn't lose. That's the way I would look at it. I don't, but it's I mean, crazy that they didn't lose that game. <laughs> you know, should have won and then should have lost in the same game. Yeah. Yes. It is It is hard to process. Uh, Connor was uh, more of the former and uh, not real happy that it was almost the latter. To me, yeah, I mean, it's like winning is what we do. And we didn't do that, so it kind of feels like a loss. Yeah, Cam Hayward felt the same way. Nope, we didn't get the win. We didn't get it done. We didn't get it done. Um, you know, and that's a collective whole. Uh, there are things we got to improve on, and uh, I think we got Kansas City next. We'll be on them next week, tomorrow. And Ben Roethlisberger felt the same way. If you don't win, it feels like a loss. So yeah. Some guys in the locker room uh, not as uh, upset as others. Nobody was especially thrilled. But uh, Joe Hayden uh, made a point that really resonated with me, and he talked about them not, to to his recollection, not blowing any coverages. And uh, Sean Davis and Artie Burns felt the same way. I couldn't remember anywhere where they just totally screwed up the defense and a guy was running down the field uncovered. They gave up some big plays. But that game-tying touchdown catch by Josh Gordon. Oh, that was freakish. That was pretty good stuff on Cleveland's part. Now, you could argue that the Steelers were in single high there. And Sean Davis couldn't get over in time to help Camp Sutton, maybe two safeties deep, knowing that they're going to pick on the guy who just came in to replace Joe Hayden, who left with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's more of a bad call than a bad play, but a great catch by Gordon. And they've got some players now. You yeah. can't lose every game you play for five years and pick at the top and screw them all up. <laughs> they're not all Johnny Manziel. You know, they got some guys. Yeah. Landry's a monster. Jarvis Landry, great acquisition, right? Led the league in receptions last year. Baker Mayfield, when he gets in, I think is going to change the, the the game for real for them. That's when it's really going to get kicked up a notch. If there's a disappointment to me, it's that they knew coming in that they could not let Tyrod Taylor get on the edge, and they did. And that's because they were over-aggressive rushing. That's what the uh, Steelers do. They want to sack the quarterback, and they got him down seven times. T.J. Watt got him down four times. Bud Dupree runs straight to the tunnel. On every play. <laughs> Which, as we heard Keith Butler, you know, you're useless when you go past the quarterback. 
when you get too deep, and then you just give them that lane and get outside. And that that 20-yard touchdown run, that's a little too easy. for Great play by Taylor, but you can't give him a chance to make that play right? because you know he is much more likely to beat you that way than with a pinpoint throw into the end zone. <laughs> Randall shaking his head. I don't know if that's in agreement or disgust. Or, to me, the, the the big issue is how, how how bad is Hayden's injury? He said afterward he did not know. He was in the locker room walking around doing interviews. Doesn't mean anything, yeah. Does, well, he wasn't <clears throat> limping or all wrapped up or iced down like a mummy or anything like that. And kudos uh, to Sutton for battling back after he got picked on. Yeah, and he, gave he, got, up a he got beat for the game-tying touchdown, and he came up with a pick that helped save the game. He got beat on that play. If that's not underthrown, he doesn't intercept it. He got beat badly on that one. If Terod gets it up and out, that's, a, that's six. Uh, I don't know if it was underthrown or if it was a back shoulder. i got to get another look at it. Uh, he picked it off. It's a good play. If, if, if. He picked no, it off. My point is, is that we want Joe Hayden back there. It's not like, well, oh, Cam, yeah. it's not yeah. to mean, oh, Cam shook it off and had a great game. No, he got lucky because he had a fly ball. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, oh, and one. <laughs> what do you make of that, Dave DeCastro? We'll go look at the tape. I mean, still early on. It's I'm trying to process what kind of game that was. It was, uh, it was interesting, to say the least. Yeah, it was. It is going to take a while to process. The only person happy about that tie yesterday was Felipe Vasquez. Why is that? Because the tie's like kissing your sister. He's totally okay with that. (laughs) He's like, why don't we tie all the time, guys? Tying is awesome. Trust me. Yesterday just felt like another preseason game. Yeah. Well, but that's kind of what the early weeks of the NFL have become. I think that's yeah, a good observation, Val. The main players don't play very much, if at all, in the preseason because you don't want to get them hurt. Mm-hmm. So now they come in and all of a sudden they're doing stuff for an extended period of time that they haven't done, and they don't do it as well as they usually do it. The national guys were talking about what Belichick does with Brady. He plays him an extensive amount in the preseason, probably more than any of the other starting quarterbacks, and Brady had three touchdowns in the first half. He's also Tom Brady, but still, like, some of these guys could probably do well to to play a little bit more in the preseason. It's a great theory until you lose Marquise Pouncey against Green Bay. Right. He's done for the year. And then you say, why the F was he out there in a preseason game? Val's got news top of the hour. What are you talking about? We're going to talk about why you crave certain foods when you're hungover. More Steeler Talk with Jerry Dulac, t- uh, Tim Benz, our Power Hour with Stan Savern on the way, your radio home of the Steelers DV. The DV morning show, Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford and, uh, and, and Val Porter. I was just telling Mike here in the break, it was nearly palpable the the need Ben felt to get the ball to AB by hook or crook. That is absolutely a factor. Every you know, Time goes on, and if he hasn't touched it in a while, he needs to touch it. Which, and if he doesn't, then he's not going to do those spectacular things that he does for you so often because he will check out mentally. It played a role in the first interception. It played a role in the second interception. Now, the second one, uh, miscommunication there. Not yeah. sure who that one was on. I don't know whose fault it was, but the ball was nowhere near... The receiver. Right. Third one, Jesse James should have caught it. Yeah. Uh, ben held on the ball too long, as he always uh, has in his career, particularly 
that Tom, uh, or I'm sorry, Todd Haley, one of the things he was brought here to do was to get him to stop doing that. So I thought it was uh, ironic that in his first game facing Todd Haley, he'd have five turnovers, two of them, by holding on to the yeah. ball a little long. Maybe he was trying to show Todd. I can hold, hold on. on to it. Yeah. I can sneak it. He had another uh, scary situation. <laughs> Did you see Haley get into it with Artie Birds, yes. by the way? Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. He, yeah, I don't know how Haley all of a sudden <laughs> went from uh, villain to uh, the the most uh, revered man in the NFL. He's the most interesting man in the NFL all of a sudden. Join the Brown staff. Yeah, I guess that's it. You want to look stay <laughs> and hang around fat people? <laughs> well, I guess that's what it is. But he had another play where he was uh, nearly in the grasp, and as he was going down, he just kind of threw it haphazardly, like handoff, like shovel pass backwards. Oh, my God, Connor. And that was, to me, I'm like, what? How do you not know at this point? Ball security is paramount. Yeah, turnover there ends it, or or so you think. He was playing like they were down by two scores. And, I and think, Garrett was in hot pursuit at that time as well. He saw him do that with Connor. I thought he was going to rip the ball out of Connor's hands. Was that again. The overtime or fourth quarter? I believe it was, it was the late in the game, uh, right? I think it might have been OT, Mike, which would have set up an easy field goal for the Browns game over. I think it was OT. Um, they were at least going that way on the field. They were going left to right on your television. Okay, that doesn't mean no good. But uh, yeah, I understand that. That's but it, everybody else. I remember here. the player thinking of it. Yeah, he was he was trying to escape the grasp. He looks like he's going to go down. Connor was like standing right next yeah. to him. He just shoved it at him. And then Miles Garrett kind of teed off on on uh, Connor on that one. It, it just to me that game yesterday was like as soon as it started, it was like getting back together with an ex girlfriend. Like this is gonna be great. I love when you go here on the analogies. And then by the end of the game, you're like, we have the same issues. Ah, you didn't work on anything. I was ready to be a different person. <laughs> you're doing the same crap. So it was very frustrating to watch that yesterday and see the same narratives unfold. A lot of them, yeah. I, th- I think it's very valid. And again, if Boswell makes the field goal in overtime, it's what they did last year repeatedly. Played great at times. Did some uh, head-scratching things and found a way to win. Yesterday, they didn't find a way to win. There's a great T-shirt going around Cleveland that says, we almost always almost win. (laughs) And that's true. If you look at their games last year, how many games they almost won. And yesterday was another one. They almost won it. And how many games did the Steelers almost not win? Now, as we like to say, you know, what do you call almost winning? Usually it's losing. Lose. Yesterday it was tying. But uh, oh yeah, how many walk offs did Boz have last year? What did he miss that by a foot? Less than a foot. The forty two yard in an yeah, overtime. A little, little, yeah. If he makes that, the narrative is way different. But I also think people are having a hard time getting past that it was Cleveland. Yes, because everybody thinks Cleveland should be going sixteen again. It's very true. It should not. The Beatles. DBE. Oh, 15 and one. DV morning show come together. Crazy wet weekend in Pittsburgh, culminating with a super wet Sunday in Cleveland, and now back to the Berg for another downpour. Val, it is pouring rain outside right yeah, now. Yeah, it's uh, according to uh, the news last night, it's supposed to last until late afternoon, like this. 
And then maybe Ugh. some intermittent showers through the evening. But then the rest of the week, I think it's supposed to be good. All right, good deal. Dry it out a Jerry little. Jerry Dulac will be in at 745. He'll give us a shout. Tim Benz, part of our Steeler coverage this morning. And our power hour with Stan Savern in the 9 o'clock hour. Steelers Chiefs this coming Sunday. The home opener for the Steelers. And hopefully a better result uh, this Sunday for the 1 o'clock kickoff. Don't forget, all of the coverage starts four hours before kickoff here on your radio home of the Steelers. 102.5 DVE, and uh, the Steelers will look to go 1-0-1 at that point. I mean, that was so hard to sit through because the game was terrible. To, you know, it wasn't an exciting game. It was an exciting in the sense that, oh, my God, are we going to lose to these guys? Right. In a train wreck kind of exciting way. But the field was just crappy, and uh, James Conner, you know, he's not the GOAT, but he was prevented he from being job. from being the hero. Yeah. And I think that's probably how most people are going to look at this. Uh, his haircut, though, geez, good Lord, what happened there? <sighs> that was... I don't know. Oh. <laughs> oh. Did he run out of money halfway through it? No good. It was like Boswell's field goal, that, that haircut. <laughs> no good. Wide left. It was just bad. <laughs> In the rain. High snap, ball down, kick on its way, long enough. That kick is high enough, and it's no good that we stay at 21. (laughs) Boswell misses, I believe, wide left. Wow. Wow. Was anybody else's reaction when that happened? Of course. I just started laughing. Yeah, I was like, of course. I just started laughing. Like, yeah. I was like, seriously, this game right now? (sighs) This game, are we we for real? Here's Labs with the Steelers Daily Report. I would love to follow the afternoon slash evening of a person who was not internet savvy and got pulled into one of those hot women in your neighborhood (laughs) ads that pop up, right? Right. And then you're like made to be like, oh my God, this woman wants to have sex right now and and she lives close? She's right around the corner. I have got to hit her up. She's ready to talk. Yeah, exactly. And then he starts chatting with her and sets up a meeting and he's like, oh my God. And then he shows up at like a King's restaurant out by the highway <laughs> to meet up with her. And then it ends up being like a five foot one Filipino woman with a cleft palate. <laughs> and she comes limping around the corner <laughs> with open sores. The guy going, No, it's not you. It's Debbie. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, yesterday was complicated. The Pittsburgh Steelers were supposed to win that game easily, you know, because it was the Browns. And they led by 14 in the fourth quarter. But Mother Nature did everything it could to equalize the playing field, to level it, so to speak. Um, I think the biggest bummer for me is not that the Steelers didn't get a win or that they have that tie on their record. You know, the thing about the tie is it's a zit on your record every time you look in the mirror. Yeah, it is. All yeah. year long, you have to be reminded of it. And it's against Cleveland. That's why. If it was a noble tie, then it would be different. But it was this, the Patriots. Yeah, right. Something where you fought back through adversity instead of giving up a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. But I think the uh, for me the the biggest bummer is that James Conner went from being the hero to not being the hero, and that not that's not to say he's the goat because it's not his fault. But had they won that game, he would have had hero status across the league. It would have been the a story. 
nearly a Lev Bell-like performance with just short of 200 yards uh, uh, of offense, yeah. 122 or something like that of rushing. It, was 140 well, rushing? He or had 192 all-purpose Okay, yards. there you go. That's a pretty good game. That's I mean, a damn good game. Despite the fumble. It's a great game with a little caveat. Yeah. He will be the first one to tell you it wasn't good enough because of the fumble. It was a downpour. I look, I am with you. I the am timeliness you, of the fumble was not not great. The where they were on the field, bad. I mean, obviously, that completely changed the game at that point and brought the Browns back into it. That doesn't make him the goat. Ben Roethlisberger's five turnovers were much more significant than James Connors won. But my regret is not that the Steelers don't get the win. It's that James Conner doesn't get to enjoy being the hero because what he did yesterday was really spectacular. And in the shotgun at the Browns four. Hands it off. And walking into the end zone for his first touchdown of the season, James Conner, the second year running back out of pit. It was so fun to watch the offensive linemen celebrating with him there, mm-hmm. and you know that meant something to them, too, given the week that they had. Criticizing Bell, to them, that was a that was a victory for them to see James Conner sure. succeed. Uh, so that was, to me, the, the, the real, I don't want to say tragedy, but the bummer of it all is that the Steelers don't get a win and James Conner doesn't get to enjoy this week of media adulation because he definitely made it easier for the Steelers to feel life without Lev Bell might not be that difficult. Try to see past not getting the win yesterday and see that one aspect out of all of this. That while Lev Bell can throw up whatever emoji he wants after the game, which again, which, I mean, what is he doing? Is he, an, is is he, is he a doing? nine-year-old? <laughs> and what an absolute dumbbell he is. That's what we should start calling him, dumbbell. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> but Connor does get our Nobel Prize for yesterday, regardless of Mother Nature interfering and making it a little difficult yesterday. Ben trying to force the ball to A.B. on the first pick. A.B., most likely not running the right route on the second one. He threw a tantrum late in the game. Well, he throws tantrums. And then a couple people did. Artie threw a tantrum too. What was that? He was just tangled up with Landry. I know, but they you know, keep composed. Landry just yeah. owned him. And then barking at Todd Haley. Is just conduct unbecoming a couple of times yesterday, but the Pittsburgh Steelers don't lose to the Browns. The Browns still don't get to open up that case of Bud Light yet, the every, cooler of Bud Light. Every Browns fan, though, that's a victory. Huge. Yeah. I mean, they're baby-stepping their way towards a win. Especially against the Steelers. Hey, you don't just rush into a win. Miles Garrett is awesome. Really good. Landry, really good. And they got three backs who are all talented. Josh Gordon made an incredible catch Josh yesterday. Gordon is insane. So Got the Megatron type body. I don't think they're going to be winless this year, and I still think they should get rid of Hugh Jackson as their coach. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think for some reason I'll, bl- still time. <laughs> I'll blame it on him. Yes, he looks half confused all the time. He really does. Like, hold on, what? What? No. What is that? Okay. James for everything. Uh, James was was great yesterday. There were some things to be happy about on the defense. T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. Watt. 
Turned down for what? Huge game. He made up for Bud Dupree rushing to the tunnel every time. He's like Forrest <laughs> Gump. We need to put Just someone behind the quarterback that says, Stop, Bud. <laughs> right. And he was going up against an undrafted rookie. So, he, he should have had more of an impact, although he, he, was, he was around the ball quite a bit. All right. We'll have more of that coming up, Jerry. Do like Tim Ben, Stan Savern, Mike Pursuta. Val's got your news right now on TV. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Center 11. It's 57 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Today is World Suicide Prevention Day. Annual observance aims to make people around the world aware that suicide can be prevented. Hundreds of activities in 70 countries include educational and commemorative events, press briefings and conferences, and coverage on Facebook and Twitter. The World Health Organization is a co-sponsor and reports nearly 800,000 people kill themselves every year. To put it in another way, someone commits suicide every 40 seconds somewhere on Earth. Several roads in western Pennsylvania remain closed because of the flooding from yesterday, which will continue. The remnants of Tropical Storm Gordon dumped several inches of rain over the weekend. The National Weather Service saying about five inches reported in Washington and Green counties as of last night. I I think I watched Channel 4 last night. I'm sure they said almost seven inches in Cannonsburg. Wow. That's crazy. And it's going to continue raining today. Officials, of course, say if you see a flooded road, don't try to drive through that water. And we could get another punch uh, maybe over the weekend. Hurricane Florence rapidly strengthening over the southwest Atlantic. It's expected to become a major hurricane this morning. Uh, The current forecast track takes it between Bermuda and the Bahamas tomorrow and Wednesday toward the southeastern coast of the U.S. and somewhere in the Carolinas on Thursday. Day as it stands now, swells generated by Florence already affecting portions of the East Coast. Weather Channel is reporting inland rain will cause flooding, and we are in that path. I'm such a jackass. You're telling me this story here, and all these people are in danger of losing their homes and livelihood. My first thought was, God, I hope it doesn't rain on a tailgate next Sunday. Uh, For many people, hangovers are an unfortunate side effect of a big night of drinking. Booze makes you dehydrated, treats, uh, depletes your body of a lot of things. So according to Mel Magazine, here are three things you crave when you're hungover and why your body wants them. Salt. Yeah. It's because you're dehydrated, which doesn't just mean you're low on water. It also means you're low on electrolytes. And sodium is a very important electrolyte. Without it, you would die. So salty stuff helps with a hangover. Bag of Doritos and a Coke. (laughs) Meat and eggs. Yes. Sausage, egg, and cheese. They're loaded with an amino acid called cysteine. I think that's how you say it. It helps your liver break down the toxic byproducts of alcohol. Those toxins are the reason you feel sweaty and nauseous after you've been boozing. Yeah, I got a a bacon, egg, and cheese at Pear and Pickle yesterday. Troy Hill. It's the best breakfast sandwich in town. Trust me on I'll that. Have to try and that. And it was after being uh, doing Johnny Cash night at the Elks on Saturday night. Yesterday was rough. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> I bet. yesterday was rough. Well, the weather probably helped you just stay in bed. I mean, watch the game. I felt, lay low. I felt like the biggest, just 
wad of uselessness all day. <laughs> I just balled up on the couch with my phone and the and the NFL on all day, just oh, sitting there what a great drinking day. Gatorades and Cokes and being. That, that sounds awesome. I'm over forty, Val. Like so I, what? I can't do stuff like that all the time. Uh, carbs. Two, alcohol makes your blood sugar plummet. Carbs bring it back up, but only eating carbs is not a good idea because it'll just plummet again later on. Mm -hmm. They say protein with carbs will help make sure your body doesn't absorb the sugar and the carbs all at once. Yeah, you know, that's why Gatorade is not good. You got to get the zero Gatorade twos or a Pedialyte or something like that because all the sugar in it is actually bad for you. You just Mm -hmm. need the electrolyte part. I'd always crave a Whopper when I'm... A little hungover. I don't know why. I used to. Well, Wendy's used to be my thing. Meat, meat, part of salt, it. Yeah. all of that. Yeah, carbs. You crave whoppers though, and it has nothing to do with. Yeah, a if somebody says whopper. I'm like, yeah, I want a whopper. You have an occasional <laughs> whopper. Craving. I like that it is specific to the whopper. It's not just that Val wants a hamburger; she wants a whopper. I think it's the flame groiled. It, yeah, <laughs> you love you love yourself to be groiled. Yeah, that's it. That's your groil girl. I mean, right. and then grilled. That's yeah. how I like my burgers. I was like, those char marks are amazing, and the sesame seed bun does separate it from the pack. I'll grant it's you a, that. I think it's a little smoky, and maybe that's yeah, it. yeah, maybe that's it. The flame. I uh, I go Wendy's, and the reason is not like if you like your burgers square. I like the square burgers, but I like the frosty on the side. Oh yeah. And that's... when you're when you're working with the frosty, it's not a shake that just sits there and gets warm. I mean that stays consistently like ice cream. It stays you just south of it. ice cream status. No. no. If you try to drink it, you'll... But you can give yourself your fries in it. Yeah, that's it. You oh, yeah. you drag the fries through the Frosty and, uh, you know, enjoy that. But it's like the... <laughs> there's no bones in the fries. You know what I mean? They're just all limp legs. Oh, yeah, you're that right. That was my only problem with Wendy's fries. Right. And and so that's why if oh, you could somehow combine... Yeah, like a, a crispier fry, maybe a McDonald's fry with the Wendy's burger. That's when you know you're getting just way too fat. When you're <laughs> like, if I stops. get a Frosty from Wendy's and then get some fries from Mickey D's and then get a Whopper. I got Grubhub getting me the fries <laughs> from Wendy's or from McDonald's. Uber Eats is going to Wendy's for me. Yeah, it's a different if, kind of Hunger Games. If you're going to Burger King for a Whopper, though, you got to get the onion rings. Yeah. I. Th- I'm- you don't like onion rings? Burger King to me is the miracle whip of fast food. I don't know what that means. That means if I have to, I will, but I want oh. Hellman's. I want regular mayo. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I if I know. think I in my head right now, I like their chicken sandwich the best, though, but I liked it when it was like yeah. served like it was a. They still have that. Like, like the original. Sub. Yeah. They still have Do that. Do they? Yes. It's the original chicken sandwich. Right, I'm getting that for lunch today. To me, it's Get all it about mayo. like. Like having that in my, in the geographical map in my head, like I don't know where there's a Burger King. I think there's one down they over this hill. They just opened one in uh, in Green Tree, yeah. but I can't I can't remember where any other ones are. Uh, look, here's the thing. Okay, this rain, you are absolved from any dietary constrictions oh, you yeah. may have placed upon yourself. That's Flood right. gates are open. Outdoor Randy can't be outdoor Randy. It's sad eating today. Usher in Fat Fall Randy. <laughs> it's sweater time. And it's indoor Randy time it's, now. it's indoor Randy time. Just enjoy some indoor time. <laughs> I almost went to Long John's the other day. Oh, dude, you have to. I dude, want, those chicken planks are fire. I have not had what them. What does that mean? I'll They're eat great? five of them. Oh, yeah. okay. 
I'm like, what does that mean? They're Sorry hot? They're spicy? Does that mean my butt's going to hurt? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that too. They're fire on the way in and on the way out. Yeah, I almost, I was like, oh, I'm going to go. No, I'm not going to do it. Hush puppies? No, you got to get the extra like a crunchies. Once, once a year kind of treat. You can tell the Steelers lost because right. we're already we're, we're, we're trying to. Yeah, we're just thinking about comfort. Comfort food. eating. Yeah. Well, Steve- it feels like a hangover of sorts <laughs> when the Steelers tie the Browns. I might be still hungover from Saturday. It's, it's possible. Loss hangover. Uh, Steve Miller's eighth album, The Joker, has just been reissued on 180 gram translucent green vinyl. Not sure why, but uh, he does have a big show coming up. He's going to headline a special AARP Rocks show hey. on September 21st at the Armory in Minneapolis. Orp. A U.S. postage stamp commemorating John Lennon was unveiled at a ceremony in New York Central Park. The stamp revealed over the weekend uses a shot from the album Walls and Bridges photo session in 1974. The forever stamp is also designed to look like a vinyl single with a record peeking out of a sleeve. Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono, and son, Sean Lennon, were both in attendance at Friday's ceremony. Smokey and the Bandit will return to theaters as a tribute to the late Burt Reynolds. I watched it last night. Did you really? I Yes. I watched it last night. And, uh, and I love it more than ever. So, <laughs> Junior, the actor that plays Junior, that plays Sheriff Buford T. Justice, Jackie Gleason's son, mm-hmm. who was left Stood at up. the altar by Sally Field, that guy, first of all, he's a monster, huge bodybuilder dude, and he played for the Steelers from 1961 to 1963. What? He did? He played for the Rams, too. He played professional football for six years. He was in the longest yard. That's why they used him. Oh, my Because they God. needed one more, because it was supposed to be just Jackie Gleason's character chasing him, and, and uh, Jackie Gleason's like, I need someone else. Jackie Gleason basically wrote his whole character in that whole storyline. And he's like, I need someone in the car with me. I can't just be driving around. I need someone to play off. Yeah. So that's how they came up with the dynamic of the Sally Field thing. The 1977 comedy will air at 240 AMC locations from September 12th to September 20th. With a $5 ticket price, AMC theaters in Pittsburgh include the Waterfront, South Hills Village, and the Galleria. I'm going to see it. Sheriff Buford T. Justice is unabashedly racist. It's like it, he's he's kind of funny racist to me in a way because... Jackie Gleason wrote that in. They go way out of their way. I mean, Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham cast tons of black actors in prominent roles in those movies so they kind of make him out to be a buffoon they're not celebrating his racism i mean it, it is to make him look provincial and which was an accomplishment for 1977 because there was still you know look it's not like we got everything figured out right now uh but uh, back then it was even worse so <laughs> There's a scene where he's talking to the sheriff, and it's a black sheriff in Georgia, and he doesn't know the guy's black. And then he finally like meets him after this big car crash or whatever, and he's like, where's Sheriff so-and-so? And he goes, hey, boy. <laughs> like He calls everybody boy, which is unbelievable. And, and, and the black guy's like, I am Sheriff so-and-so. And Jackie Gleason goes, oh, I'm sorry. You sounded much taller on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many funny throwaway lines in, in, in Bert. And Sally are so good to get. Oh, like, yeah. That they just have this awesome. Chemistry. You can't tell if, like, is this in the script? Or are they just, yeah. like, flirting with each other? 
And I also came to the conclusion that when he dated her, those were the best movies. His best movies, Hooper, The Two Smokey and the Bandits, and The End. And if you've never seen The End with him and Dom DeLuise, uh, that's the one to go find and watch. That, to me, is unendingly funny. He's trying to kill himself, and it's like, you know, he, he obviously doesn't but he comes to the realization that you know his depression was all a manifestation of his own just selfishness and blah 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 whatever but it is so funny i highly recommend it but how about how, how many film roles he turned down oh yeah like what that uh, i mean he was obviously on top of the world in the 70s i think they said at one point he had four movies in the theater at the same time but it was he like a five-year span turned down like han solo like legendary roles i'm so glad he wasn't han solo yeah han solo would have been real like chewing gum you yeah, know with I mean, a mustache yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, smoking the bandit is so funny every single scene is awesome jerry reed is great in it there's non-stop there's throwaway hilarious lines the entire time the fact that jerry reed has like 50 kids and Burt Reynolds tells like a hundred jokes when he walks into his house because there's so many kids everywhere. <laughs> he's like, I always remember this one. There's like a little kid like hanging on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? Because you always kick me right in the. <laughs> 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 and he's Bert, just he's just throwing the lines off, just nonstop hilarity. Burt uh, apparently planned his funeral before his death. It reportedly has a price tag of two million dollars. He, he was made like up in the debt. Well, he sold off. Several years ago, sold off the original car, but he apparently wants to be buried in a Trans Am. (laughs) Dude. Not the one from Smokey and the Bandit, just a Trans Am. No, that car is- See if he can get Borky's. (laughs) Yeah, that car is awesome. How about Pontiac? He made a deal with them if he used it, which I can't believe they didn't give him a ton of money. Coors must have, because you know Coors is like the big Mm storyline. And- uh, Trans Am, he worked a deal with them. They're like, we'll give you a free one if this movie's a big success. Which, Jesus, can you imagine? Yeah, I know. Like, now they'd be like, here's 10 of them. Right. And the guy who promised him that got shipped to another part of the company. And so the new head of uh, Pontiac was oh, like, oh, they didn't. No, we're not giving it to through. you. Isn't that unfathomable? And do you know why the whole storyline seems ridiculous now of Snokey and the Bandit? Kind of seemed ridiculous then, but. He's trying to get cores across the state line, and that's bootlegging. And you might ask yourself, why is that bootlegging? I don't know it's what the laws were in the 70s. Right. It had to do with pasteurization. Because cores wasn't pasteurized back then, and so you had to keep it refrigerated all the time. Mm-hmm. So the, any state east of the Mississippi... You weren't allowed to bring cores into at yeah. that time. And so when they were filming the movie Hooper, I guess, um, Hal Needham w- like made note of it because someone brought a bunch of cores and people kept stealing it. And he's like, why Why is that mm-hmm. such a hot commodity? And then they explained, like, oh, you can't get it here and this is why and mm. it's bootlegging. So it still doesn't explain why they have to have cores at the party. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's plenty of other beers they could get that wouldn't be bootlegging. If they There'd redid no it movie, now, though, though c- couldn't they just do it about Amish milk? Because raw milk, raw isn't, milk isn't raw milk yeah. like illegal to sell? Smokey and the Vegan Bandit. 
And another celebrity death, Bill Daly, best known Vaping for his roles on Panda. the sitcoms <laughs> I Dream of Jeannie and the Bob Newhart Show, died over the weekend of natural causes. He was 91. Yeah, he was a funny guy. Forecast today, rain, upper 60s for the high. It's 58 at DVE. Mike Pursuta in next, a full report from Cleveland. when DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta dried off, back from Cleveland, <laughs> ready to report on what, what went down there. And I think that Part of the drag of reassessing what went down yesterday in Cleveland is that it indicates the Browns making progress, albeit half a step forward. Climbing out of the grave. And the Steelers regressing. To me, you know, I used the analogy last hour of it's like getting back together with an ex. I thought everything was going to be great yesterday, and the same old issues popped up. A couple of them were addressed, I thought. Here's what I liked about the Steelers game. Sports this hour brought to you by Hovis Auto Supply. Uh, We had talked at the end of last week. I was joking. How long do you think it's going to take with all these new defensive packages and different safeties and all the different things they're going to try to do? How long is it going to be before some some Browns wide receiver is running scot-free down the middle of the field? There you go. and A cheap big play like they gave up so often last year. I thought that would happen by the second quarter. I don't think it ever happened. They did get too many men on the field. Well, they were trying to sub packages in and out. And they had to take a timeout one time because they had 10 people on the field. But they they gave up some big plays, but they were contested big plays, which to me is, is better. So that, you know, would you prefer to jump out of wind this little girl? I mean, bottom line was Yes, just, I actually would. I would rather have a guy there with a chance to make the play than a total blown coverage and where you just make it too easy for him. Browns made some plays. Tyrod Taylor didn't make many throws, but he made a couple with the game on the line. Uh, as Joe Hayden put it, Josh Gordon is still Josh Gordon. He's missed a lot of time, but that guy is a force at receiver. Jarvis Landry led the NFL in receptions last year. He's awesome. He's going to catch He made pass. a he huge catch everything. OT. It's what he does. Uh, Miles Garrett was injured a lot as a rookie, and Steelers didn't see him in week one, and Ben Roethlisberger didn't see him in week 16 because Roethlisberger didn't play, but He's going to see a lot of him the next few years. He's going to see a lot of him in his face. Uh, Al Villanueva. Uh, I'm not saying the, seeing him too. I'm not saying the Browns are going to contend for the playoffs, but they are better, and uh, they didn't quit either. But they couldn't be worse. That's, this is true by definition. They could not be worse. Right. There was nowhere to go but no. up. Uh, a <laughs> lot of mistakes, a lot of problems. The six turnovers is unsightly, and then some, but. Uh, I'll disagree with you on one point. As well as James Conner played, the game turned on his fumble. It did. 7.44 left in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter what happened to this point anymore. It's 21-7 Pittsburgh. All you've got to do is run the ball three times if you get stopped, punt it back to them. The chances of them driving the length of the field on you at that point are very small. They had one drive. Very small. One drive all game. And you're just going to bleed the game out at this point, and he fumbles on first down, and the Browns run it back to the one-yard line, and all the people who were tripping over each other to get to the exits turned around and came back, and then it was just uh, – it kind of went off the tracks, and stuff started happening both ways, and it ended up in a tie. Uh, It was a shame – Connor fumbled there. I'm not trying to kill him. It was his first start. He's a second-year guy, and he had a monster game. It was Toussaintian. But you gotta you gotta finish <laughs> the game, right? I mean, it was Mendenhallian. Part of the job that he is trying to take over uh, for however long Le'Veon Bell's not here, and presumably 
after Le'Veon Bell's no longer here for good next year is that when you're ahead, the way you finish the game in the NFL is you run the ball and bleed the clock, and you have to be reliable with the ball there. You, okay, all right. You have to be. That, there is no other. That's fine. You don't get an then, after. Then your veteran quarterback needs to hold on to it on the next possession. James Conner isn't the GOAT. He was okay. prevented from being the hero. Well, but that, that kind of started everything. I, I don't disagree with you, Still but that does not make now. him the GOAT. I mean, there were four turnovers before that that, you know... Everything everything counts to me. That was the critical mistake of the game. There's no debating that that was the turning point. That does not make yeah. him the GOAT, in my eyes. James Conner yesterday was prevented from being the story in the NFL behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I don't think there was a GOAT or a hero. I'm just saying that was a big thing. No a, doubt. A, a turning point play. And he'll he, be the first to tell he you He has that. to do better there. Yes. Um... It's, he he did have a, better with his barber, too, but that's another. <laughs> he did have 192 combined yards, 135 rushing, and uh, 57 Anybody wars. not feel comfortable with him in there yesterday? Up to the fumble? I mean. Up to the fumble? He no. looked great. And that was, that was significant for a number of reasons. One, the Steelers needed those yards. Number two, remember our conversation with David DeCastro late last week where he said, we got to prove we can do it without Le'Veon. The pressure's on. And that's why you saw the offensive line jumping up and down like they were on yeah. that first touchdown. And I think I think what DeCastro left unsaid was we all mouthed off about Le'Veon. And mouthed off is probably the wrong way. They spoke what they were feeling. They were upset. They feel betrayed. They feel hurt. They, they, but now they got to back it they up. Disagree. Now they got to back it up. So uh, I asked DeCastro yesterday if they backed it up and, and answered that uh, no Le'Veon Bell pressure against the Browns. I'm so tired of Le'Veon. I'm so tired of it. Let's just worry about the guys in here. You know, I know you guys got stories to write and whatnot, and, uh, and I love Le'Veon, but we got to worry about the guys in here, and that's the only people that, that matter, matter to me. So that was, like, Freudian. I'm so tired of Le'Veon. And then he has to clarify. I don't mean, like, I love him. him. I love him. I'm tired of talking yeah. about well, no, the I whole get, situation. Yeah, they are. But, but, that's, but that's he's also of, tired of Le'Veon. But that's not going away either, and that is part of what they're going to deal with the rest of this year, because after he comes back, they'll deal with, do they welcome him back, and how does he do? And I don't know. Maybe he'll just he respond back, to them in emoji he form. Back? I know. He'll just yeah. emoji his uh, feelings to all of his teammates from now on. And, you know, people are going to compare, you know, would they have won this game or lost this game with Le'Veon Bell? One of the points we made on the pregame show yesterday was they were actually in better shape yesterday with Connor than they were a year ago. Without a doubt. Because Bell was not prepared. Bell had 32 rushing and 15 receiving last year against the Browns. He was mediocre at best. And Connor wasn't prepared, which was right. which was tough to deal with. And this year Connor was ready and he answered to Bell. So that's I mean that Connor looks NFL ready now. Yeah. I feel less good way to good way to phrase it there. I I I feel uh, less concerned about not having Lev. He's not Le'Veon Bell. There's no one is. That's why he's asking for the money that he's asking for. Right. Uh, but I think that yesterday went a long way towards alleviating and allaying any fears that the, the Steelers might have had about not having Lev in the offense. And they didn't even really get to Ridley. Or Jalen Samuels. Yeah. Yeah. They None of those guys are Le'Veon Bell, but they can get production from the running back position. It doesn't have to just come to a grinding halt because Bell's not there. And think how much better it would be if they'd taken his fourteen million and spent and it on other it things to... and just let him walk. But that's you know, yeah, they didn't do that. Uh, the defense uh, did not play poorly, but it also did not protect a twenty-one-seven fourth quarter lead. Here's Cam Hayward. 
We had that 21-7 uh, and at one point, but, you know, they clawed their way back. We didn't get the plays done. Um, hats off to them, you know. They might look at it as a win, but we look at it as a loss. I think we had them at negative passing for halfway through the third, um, and then, you know, the wheels got off. Uh, we just didn't get an, another stop. You know, we needed another turnover to put us in a uh, better position for our offense uh, and our field goal. Yeah, only got one turnover. That was the Cam Sutton interception uh, in the last 30 seconds that helped them get them to overtime at that point because it was threatening to get away from them. Uh, you know, when you fumble and it's first and goal at the one, yeah, you, you can stop them, but that's a lot to ask. And then uh, two plays, 55 yards uh, for the tying touchdown, the two passes uh, at Cam Sutton's expense where I think he needed a little help there. I think uh, schematically he needed a little help there and he didn't get it. I'm telling you, he got burnt on the the one, the pick he ended up getting. Gordon was definitely behind him. Hey, Aaron Rodgers threw what should have been a pick last night. The guy dropped it, then he threw a 75 yard touchdown you got to pass. Be the hero. What happens happens. What could have happened? Who cares? The Steelers are undefeated. Jerry Dulac joins us when we return here on the DVE. Here comes. That is James Conner again, singing and zagging, 10-5, touchdown, Pittsburgh Steelers, a 22-yarder for Conner. What, Billy getting a sandwich there? What is going on? Here comes, hold on a second. Man, that's James Conner. They had Kabasi and pierogies in the press box. Well, well, you know, you're still in Cleveland. It's wonderful. Pretty good, pretty good, lousy weather food. Yeah. Culinary kindred spirits. Joining us right now on the phone from the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network, Post-Gazette columnist. Jerry Dulac. Jerry D., good morning. How are you? Well, Randall, I'm good. Uh, as you can quite imagine, it's still raining here. It has yet to stop. Oh, just unbelievable uh, in Pittsburgh as well. The, the rain has been brutal. How much do you put on the weather yesterday for what happened on the field for the Steelers? Well, I mean, it, it certainly didn't help. Um, you know, you could see Ben was having some problems um, throwing some of the balls. Uh, a couple, you know, it looked like I don't want to say he was heaving, but was just trying to direct some of the some of the shorter ones. Um, but you know, James Conner's fumble, unfortunately, <clears throat> you know, turned that whole game around. And I don't think that had anything to do with the weather as much as it had to do with uh, with Miles Garrett. And same on that last interception uh, by excuse me, that was an interception. They ruled a fumble when uh, Jannard Avery came around, and, and you know, and uh, they recovered that and, and took it down to the goal line. So. Um, I, I don't think those issues were weather-related. I think they were protection-related. You know, Chris Boswell's field goal, look, we all know he doesn't he, – you know, I, I don't know that he's missed a game-winning field goal. I was trying to remember. I don't think he has 42 yards. Is I don't want to call it a chip shot, but it's nothing for him. But, um, you know, it was windy yesterday, and it was wet, and I'm sure that maybe that contributed to it. You look at the other guy. Uh, you know, Zane Gonzalez, he he couldn't even get his ball airborne. Uh, I think he needed a few he needed a few more degrees on his wedge to get that ball up. And uh, uh, so, you know, I'm sure it was a contributing factor, but I wouldn't blame it on the weather. Jerry, do you think Connor? He's he's got the ball half the fourth quarter to go. They're up two touchdowns. Given his inexperience, I didn't get a chance to talk to him yesterday. Do you think? He's not thinking all I got to do is protect the ball and hit the line here and kill the clock. He's probably trying to still make plays, right? Oh, absolutely, Mike. You know, it's funny because my colleague Ed Bouchette, as we're sitting there, he said, he says, I'd get Connor out of the game. This was, what, eight minutes to go. 
and it's, you know, 21 to 7. And then he kind of caught himself and said, well, I guess there's still a lot of time. And it wasn't shortly after that that, that he fumbled. And, yeah, I don't think he should have been. You know, Mike, after that, he was running with the two hands, uh, two arms over the ball. And I said he looked like Earl Groh. And I don't know if you heard me. I know you'd remember Earl Groh, but the, the other people in the studio wouldn't remember Earl Groh. But, you know, uh, I no, I don't think he should have been running like that. I think he should have been running the way he was running. And, uh, you know, again, Miles Garrett's a beast, boy. Um, he's super hmm. talented. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys. He's, you know, he's going to strip that ball out. And uh, he made a great play. And, you know, he kind of backsided Connor there with that strip. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I can't fault him for, for carrying it the way he did there. Uh, my thoughts are, and I think uh, the quarterback would agree, that his game was uh, as much of a factor as anything as to why we lost. When the quarterback has three picks and two fumbles, you're going to have a yeah. hard time <laughs> right. getting a win against anybody, much less uh, against a team that's starving for a W at home in inclement weather. When beers are on the line, because, you know, they win <laughs> right. that game. All the coolers are unlocked. Free Bud you, you Light. You know, Billy, the, the coolers are still locked, though. <laughs> I know. First thing we checked, you know, because there was one of them right there by the elevator when you go down to the locker room. And, uh, nope, it was still locked right when we were leaving. It was still, <laughs> I mean, going to the locker room, it was still locked when, when we were uh, uh, leaving the press box. So, Randall, yeah, you know, five turnovers from the quarterback. You know, the funny thing was I had uh, email when it was when they were leading. Uh, 21 to 7, I had emailed my uh, guy at Elias Sports Bureau and I said, has there ever been a case where a team has lost the turnover battle 5, this was before the last one, 5 to 0 and still won. Well, shortly after sending that email, uh, the game turned around, so I never got a response I didn't have to. Yeah, it was uh, not a, a performance that uh, Ben is going to be able to even build on or anything. It just looked uh, like he was out of sync with his receivers, uh, didn't have the touch on the ball that he normally does. What happened on this the set? I know the first one, he was just trying to force it to A.B., didn't see the corner on the right side. But the second interception was that fly ball that he looked like he was just throwing it up for A.B. And that, to me, I would think that's A.B. just blowing that route. Yeah, you know, more times than not, if you have to, if you have to guess who was wrong, Ben or AB, chances are it was eighty-four ran the wrong route. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure I, I don't know the answer because I haven't had time to check. Um, but I will today, and uh, but I'm sure he probably uh, ran the wrong route. And on the third one, the ball went right through Jesse James' hands, and uh, you know he's been he's been pretty dependable. You know, he drops about one a year, and uh, unfortunately, that was the one that went through his hands. And uh, you know, uh, was was the uh, was the pick? But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. I was going back and looking uh, last night, and you know, the Steelers have these the, these games early in the year, losing. You know, whether it's getting waxed in Philadelphia, thirty-four to three, when they were twelve and four the one year, the game in Chicago last year, uh, um, this one. You know, they seem to have one early in the year all the time. And look, this isn't going to define who they are. It's a, you know, it wasn't even a loss; it was a tie. Um, but you know, they have them. It's a long season, and you don't like to let those get away. That's what every, you know, you don't want to come back in December and go, "Oh, that tie is going to hurt them." Maybe it does, but um, you know, it's a long way to go. And win or lose, you know, you can't let. It's not going to make a difference of who they're going to be in December. Was James Washington targeted at all yesterday, Jer? I mean, I, I was kind of shocked to see him not be a factor. In well, any way. I, yeah, Billy, what happened is, you know, he's been battling that injury. Uh, so, and while he dressed, 
he ran most of the week on the scout team. So he wasn't running with the first or second team offense because uh-huh. of his in because of his injury. So he didn't get a lot of reps, uh, uh, you know, in the offensive game plan. And I'm I'm sure you will see that change, uh, you know, once he's fully healthy. Which if because he played, I'm sure he is. But I think that was the biggest reason. Billy had nothing to do with not playing him. It was just that he didn't get that time during the week uh, with what they were going to do. Yeah, as a receiver, uh, Switzer looks like a really good return guy, huh? Yeah, Bill, uh, uh, Mike, uh, you know, he makes the first guy miss. And he averaged 11.2 yards per punt return. They'll take that all day and all all day, baby. Well, they all, all year. Yeah, as long as he has the ball security that he had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he looks, I mean, you know, for what they wanted right now, one game, it looks like a good addition. I, I don't have any problems with him. Defensively, they only allowed really one drive as much as Cam said, hey, we right. had a 14-point lead. We really needed to protect. I mean, you know, we, we those were – caused by turnovers, those second two touchdowns. That was not the fault of the defense, really. You can't lay the whole thing right. on them. Uh, there were some good things there. Well, the second one was 55 yards. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, but, you know, uh, they, it wasn't like they were just going up and down the field on them. You know, the one drive, they ran it nine times. That was the only one, nine times for 76 yards. That was really the only drive where the defense <clears throat> didn't do a whole lot. Prior to that, they had shut down that run pretty good and I don't you know I'm not going to include Tyrod Taylor in there because you know he's scrambling you know for 8 13 7 11 yards mm-hmm. several times and so that pads their rushing totals that 177 to me is a little misleading but that one drive uh hurt them and um you know even the pass plays he had three pass plays of 30 plus yards and not one of those pass plays ended up hurting them at all when you know two of them are Jarvis Landry who's an who's a pro bowl receiver and the touchdown to Josh Gordon, that's Josh Gordon, Boyd. I mean, that guy's a beast when he, whenever he's on the field. Cam, uh, Cam Sutton was there. I, you know, he didn't get his eyes around, as he says, on the ball. But that's Josh Gordon, and that's, that would be like blaming Denzel Ward for that touchdown to uh, Antonio Brown. Those are elite receivers making great plays. But getting back to the rushing thing, Jerry, don't they have to know going in that Tyrod Taylor can do that? Can't get behind and him. And if you're, if you're hell-bent to get back there and sack him and you lose contain, does, doesn't that uh, legitimize, yeah, you blew that play. You, you let yeah, the guy I, run. You, you know what's funny, Mike, uh, that you bring that up, is that Cam Hayward, I, I, I can't recall if you were in that little school. Yeah, I was, and I know where you're going. I didn't know what, he, what the hell he was talking about either. Yeah, he, he was saying he said they had some different things planned where they were going to let him do that effectively is what he was saying. And, you know, and, and, and somebody asked him, well, what were some of those different things? And, you know, he wasn't going to get into it. So it almost sounded as though, you know, they were going to either flush him out of the pocket or, you know, make him step up and run through the middle. But it was it made it sound as though they had – some amount of plan to let him run a little bit. Just don't let him sit back there. I, I'm not, I, I can't. You know, I can't fully explain that. If that was, I can't either. If that was the plan, they need to really revisit that and and give it some more thought. Because that's yeah, he, how, he, that's how that guy beats you. He's not. Yeah, that's right. He's keeping him in the pocket and making him be pinpoint accurate is how you beat him. Well, you know, the quarterback that beat him yesterday though was number seven. I'm afraid. I <laughs> uh, yeah. Bad, bad day for uh... that, that, that didn't help. But that you know, unfortunately for James Conner, let's face it, just a wonderful, wonderful game for him in given the situation. And it was just unfortunate that that the fumble uh, you know kind of soiled that a little. Great play, Mrs. Lincoln, right up to the ending.
Yeah, <laughs> that fumble that it changed it changed the outcome. There's no question. Jared Ulack from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, part of the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network, broadcast right here on your radio home of the Steelers, DVE. Jerry D, when's the next broadcast for you? Tonight, uh, Randall, thanks for asking. It's the first Monday night quarterback show of the season. Tim and I, Tim Benz and I, will be down at the Pittsburgh Bottle Shop where we have been, oh, in the last number of years. Oh, we'll say hi to Mark Monday for night. me. We will, 7 to seven to 9 p.m. My friend Mark Davis. Randall, I don't know if you know this, uh, but uh, he has uh, sold the establishment. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, then, yeah, good yeah. for him. I hope he's on but an he's island still- somewhere. Yeah, it's going to change. He's still going to be around. But, uh, you know, God bless him, as you know, Mark's a great guy. And But anyway, that's where we'll be. And then tomorrow night, as far as I know, Stefan Tuitt joins Dale Lawley and I, 7 to 8 p.m., right here on DVE. And then Dale and I will be 8 to 9 on uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh uh, on the, in the hour after uh, Stefan Tuitt. So uh, we'll have a uh, bottle shop tonight and Stefan Tuitt tomorrow night. Jerry D, DVE. That's when you know you're getting just way too fat. When you're <laughs> like, if I get stop. a Frosty from Wendy's and then get some fries from Mickey D's and then get a Whopper. I got Grubhub getting me the fries <laughs> from Wendy's or from McDonald's. Uber Eats is going to Wendy's for me. Yeah, it's a different kind of hunger game. Uh, look, here's the thing. Okay. This rain, you are absolved from any dietary constrictions oh, you yeah. may have placed upon yourself. That's Front right. gates are open. Outdoor Randy can't be outdoor Randy. It's sad eating today. Usher in Fat Fall Randy. It's sweater time. <laughs> it's indoor Randy time it's, now. it's indoor Randy time. Just enjoy some indoor time. <laughs> I almost went to Long John's the other day. Oh, dude, you have to. I want those chicken planks are fire. I have not had what them. What does that mean? I'll They're eat great? five of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? They're Sorry, hot? They're spicy? Does that spicy? mean the, my butt's going to hurt? <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. In the rain. I snap, ball down, kick on its way. Long enough. That kick is high enough and it's no good. And we stay at 21. Boswell misses, I believe, wide left. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then there was this. The kick is on its way. It blocked. And the Steelers come up big with a special teams play as they get through there and block this 43-yard field goal. Was that Cam that blocked it? It's a Watt swat. Who gets the kudos on the sideline? T.J. Watt was everywhere yesterday. Four sacks. Bud Dupree was everywhere he wasn't supposed to be yesterday. <laughs> hey, if they ever one. start dropping back 17 feet. That, he's in there. He's you know he's going to have great success. <laughs> Tim Beds will be talking Steelers with us here uh, coming up uh, again. Yesterday uh, is a Felipe Vasquez game. Ties like kissing your sister. That guy's totally fine with ties. Oh my god! He's like, Why don't no. we tie all the time? <laughs> Did you see uh, whatever the show Pomp does after the game, the oh, TV dude. game? The guy was like, "Your daughter's a hottie." He was like, "By the oh. way." He was like, thank you. He just groaned. Well, you heard and, the- By the way, your daughter is a hottie. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, thank you. Really? Uh, yeah. How can Ben go out there and throw three picks in the first half? Also, your daughter's kind of off. <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> oh. Happy Sunday. It wasn't. It no. was not a happy Sunday. For no. Clevelanders, it was. Clevelandites? 
Is I mean, it, I. It's almost a win. Yeah, they're very good at almost winning. Yes, and against the Steelers, getting a tie is not a loss. Yeah, that uh, technically look- ends their losing streak. Yes, they have to be looking at that as a victory. Uh, I don't. I don't think it is. The last time they won a game either, was but- in December of 2016. It's Did- been a minute. It was fun to hear Bruce Arians on the on the uh, broadcast yesterday. He was great. A little RPO in their offense. Good job here. Great play action pass. Saw the tight end backside wide ass open and uh, got it. <laughs> 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 He'll probably get called into the office on really? that Really? Yeah. Wide ass open. All right, hey, wide DA, ass. Come on in. Sit down. We want to just talk to you for just a quick sec. Hey, great job on the game. What do you got going on over there? Here's uh, the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Center 11. It's 60 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A highly visible member of Washington's Catholic clergy is calling on Cardinal Donald World to resign. In a letter written to Whirl and published online Saturday, Deacon James Garcia said he could no longer in good conscience assist him in any mass. Whirl was recently named in that Pennsylvania grand jury report that detailed alleged child abuse uh, committed in the state by more than 300 priests. Whirl, of course, we know, led the Pittsburgh Archdiocese for 18 years before becoming the Archbishop of Washington. Yeah, uh, tough to... Uh, think he's going to be able to survive this and he shouldn't at this point he is not stepping down though it's ridiculous uh authorities have evacuated about 30 homes in center township beaver county after a gas line explosion this morning you heard me mention that on the traffic report it happened about 5 a.m in the area of ivy lane the explosion and fire took down several power lines on bunker hill road just east of route 376 several vehicles close to that fire were destroyed so far no injuries have been reported authorities though have shut off gas lines in that area while they continue to investigate the cause of that explosion and again 376 closed in both directions in that area due to that fire yikes uh this thursday officials will break ground on washington area humane society's brand new facility the 10,000 square foot building will be built behind their existing facility on route 136 in north strabane at a cost of just over five million dollars the building should be completed by fall of 2019 five million wow that's great they raised all that money it's going to be huge they're still raising money but uh i'm going to be the mc for the groundbreaking oh good good deal yes yeah they desperately needed a new location we adopted one of our dogs there 11 years ago and they needed a new building then yeah it's yeah. not going to be tough to break ground i hope you uh have some good <laughs> galoshes oh geez yeah. yeah uh in health news two new studies say probiotics are mostly useless and might even hurt you oh great Researchers from the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel found most digestive tracts prevent probiotics from doing anything good in the body. They might even delay the return of good bacteria in your gut when you take a high dosage. Probiotics are live bacteria and yeast meant to keep your gut healthy. Yeah, uh, but does that also mean that taking them naturally, like through like yogurt. yogurt and stuff like that, is bad? I don't know. Find out. Found. It said hi, unless you eat a, yo- a lot of Greek yogurt. What's a lot? <laughs> More than one a day. One what? 
one <laughs> container. <laughs> Gallon. What do you what have? Kind, a vat? Kind of container. <laughs> Did you ever think about making your own Greek yogurt? Did you ever think about it? <laughs> yes, I have actually. Really? Because I never have. Wow. No. Why? What you can get made a yogurt you maker because they have yogurt maker. Yogurt maker. I already have one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any of that. Jeez. I don't care how Greek you make it. Ah. Uh, do I need oh, to wrap this up? I mean, I think we all do. All right. <laughs> Forecast today, rain, upper 60s for the high. It is uh, 58 at DV. Uh, talking Steelers now. Tim Benz coming in to raise the bar. And yesterday, not exactly a bar-raising performance from the Pittsburgh Steelers who go out and blow a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Now, I am on this side of it's not James Conner's fault. He w- prevented himself from uh, uh, being the uh, hero yesterday, but he's not the GOAT. He prevented himself from being the hero, correct. Uh, he did a lot right in the early, what would you say, two qu- two and a half quarters, mm-hmm. in the middle of the third quarter, uh, is when I think the whole offense just started to get eaten alive by the line of scrimmage of mm-hmm. the defensive front of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the fumble that he had was unfortunate. Uh, not as unfortunate as the haircut, but unfortunate. <laughs> I what, saw you guys did, tweeting about that. What, what was the haircut? I have no idea. Did anybody ask him about that? And that was relatively new, right? So That's give like, me the Tron well, it, mullet. It started bad. It started last week, and then it got worse as the week al- went along. He got more things shaved into it. There were more layers to it. Uh, I don't know if you saw what Bob McLaughlin tweeted out, Mark Madden's producer. He tweeted out that dog that got half-shaved in the Geico commercial. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> it looked like well, somebody he ran was... out of cash halfway through. Yeah, I know, the, I think a lot of people were speculating it had to do with the Pitt-Penn State game. Well, it might have, but oh, he, he started it on bet? his own. He had it sort of like two weeks before the Pitt-Penn State game. It was half-shaven before. Pitt-Penn State coming. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's he true. Was just preparing yeah. for yeah. an inevitable loss. There. Seeing as how Penn State had a thirteen to nothing lead two weeks in advance of the game, I believe. But, but how uh, how reassured are the Steelers right now about James Conner's ability to pick up the slack? There's ten things I could list before I got to James Conner as a problem for that game. You know, the, right. the turning point was the fumble, unfortunately. But as I heard you guys chronicling with Jerry Dulac, the quarterback was awful. And I'll go so far as to say, not only was he awful. He was worse on some of the passes that weren't interceptions. Like, I don't know if the picked A.B. was his fault. That might have been A.B. AB's fault. One went off of Jesse James's hands. But he looked like Tyler Glass now during the game. He was spraying the ball all over the place. Yeah, he had, on, in, in, in he had a hard time getting a hold of the ball yesterday. There's a third down early where he had A.B. on a hot read and just skipped it off the carpet. And you know what? If it's that hard to throw, then run Connor more. Because... I was looking, like, the first moment I thought, uh-oh, was the first third down. When they picked up eight yards to Connor on two consecutive plays, and right away, third and two, they're throwing a quick slant to A.B. on a you know quick timing route. And if the, con- the conditions are that bad, just give it to Connor one more time, get the two yards, and keep going. Mm-hmm. So I-, I can come up, like I said, with, like, ten different things I'd talk about before James Connor is a problem yesterday. Now, as far as being reassured, they play the Chiefs next, right? Who has single-handedly beat the Chiefs the last two years for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Le'Veon Bell. He's owned the Chiefs. So I'll be very interested. So that's the answer? Who owned the Chiefs? 
who owned, owned the Chiefs, Le'Veon. Le'Veon Bell. Owned. Unfortunately, the Chiefs technically cost $15.5 million to own, not $14.5. So ah, he has to share the partnership. We're going to have to yeah. get a GoFundMe or something. You're going to have to rescind the tag and give him more money like everybody wants to do Well, now. I think after he hmm. tweeted out that emoji yesterday, the Steelers are going to be rethinking whether they, they're they probably going to give him the money now. I mean, they got emojied, and well, that was yeah. terribly embarrassing. The monocle emoji is really hardcore trolling. I have I mean, no idea what that On a scale of means. 1 to 10 emoji trolling, that's a What is the monocle 12? emoji? Like, uh, like, I'm looking into this. Like, hmm. Hmm, hmm. what is like, this? Literally has his hand on the chin going, hmm, I wonder. And he's saying that he tweeted that out because I've never seen a tie before. That's I, not I what didn't he was know saying. what that come on, that's yeah. not what he's he saying. He just got called out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why would you why would you tweet that? Because he's the an situation idiot. you got going on, you're at home watching your teammates play a game. The instant he did that, the guys from uh, Ben Stonium took the uh took a magnif- mon- yeah, uh, no, magnifying, magnifying glass and yeah. put it on James Conner's fantasy stats and tweeted it back to him in case he had trouble seeing it with the monocle. Do you think Ben will ever become Brady-like in his protection of the ball in the pocket? No, that's no. not in him. Ben's Favre. Yeah, that's not in Ben. And He's I think because even life. after he fumbled it twice yesterday, but because he was trying to make a play after nobody was open, even after he fumbled it twice yesterday, he still made a risky play and like. Just dumping it to to uh, Connor when he's about to be sacked in a crucial point in the game, where if they turn the ball over again, it's for sure over. Randy, it was about what three possessions in before we saw a backyard Ben return in the Randy Feetner era. Uh, that no, I thought like, it was a little ironic that it was happening in front of Arians Haley in uh, in and Arians. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. And you were talking about Arians. Did did you what'd you think of him in the broadcast booth? I thought he was thought boring. He was, yeah, yeah. he's all right. I, I thought he'd be more animated. I thought it was a bad move giving him Browns Steelers as his first game. A lot of people thought, "Oh, that's perfect." He knows both teams. I thought he was scared to be critical. Of uh, both yeah. Teams. But meanwhile, I thought Trent Gray was pretty good. Who? Trent on the other side. I don't know that whole. Hey, they're gonna go for a screen pass here, right? Wait, when was that? That was at the end. <laughs> With nine seconds yeah. left? What do you think, coach? They're going to tee it up here? They're just going to sit oh, on it for overtime? Are you out of your mind? Oh, I didn't hear that part. And like you know, he was, and the fact that he was lending credence to the way the officials were thinking about the Nick Chubb ball hitting him in the face mask. Oh, yeah. That- or the Jabril Peppers thing. It's like, I, I get what he's trying to say, which is they might do it this way. I don't want to hear. Do you have Steerator on today? Or tomorrow, that- tomorrow. Tomorrow. I hate when these former officials take these jobs and tell you why they made the call that they did. And Green fed into that. I don't want to hear that. I want you to tell me if you think it's the right call or not. And they're like, oh, well, this is why the refs might rule it this way, and this is why it might not get overturned or replay. I don't want to hear that. I want you to tell me if they're doing the right thing or not. Well, I think that's what they're saying, is by the letter of the law, this is why they're calling it this way. But if you're Sterator or if you're Macaulay, who kind of did the same thing in the Eagles-Falcons game, is that your job or is it your job in that situation to say this is what they should or shouldn't we'll do? We'll ask Gina that tomorrow. But, you know, that clearly looked like it should have been Steelers' ball. Yeah, well, when his head flinches mm-hmm. and his eye looks up after he flinches, don't you think it hit him in the face? And just because the ball didn't change direction, like th- that was the thing that I had a problem with Green. He's like, well, the ball didn't change direction, so uh, maybe it didn't. It changed rotation, though. I thought so. Yeah, I, I see. I just saw it a little differently. I, I saw Davis react, but I didn't think Chubb reacted like, oh, my God, I better get that ball. Well, he, I don't think he could have. I think he was trying to locate it. I think he was trying to locate up. it, which he should be doing anyway. I don't, it's one of those reasonable doubt things, I think. You know, if it's if it's not a 1,000%, sure, you can't change the call, right? You just can't. Well, 
I don't know about that. See, that's the problem I've got with the way the rules are being interpreted right now. It's got to be 1,000% overturnable, or you're not allowed to well, use yeah, common sense. Well, well, we just maybe, argued about a catch with Jesse James for how many months where we well, said common sense should come into play, right? Well, it's 1,000% is the wrong verbiage, but there's, it's supposed to be preponderance of evidence. They're supposed to be sure. And if you're unsure, you're unsure. See, like I, th- I can see how that came into play in the Peppers one, which, by the way, was a gutty play by Roethlisberger to throw his body in there like that and take him out. That, you know, second time he's done For that sure. in his career. <laughs> Going back to the one in Indianapolis. But that one I can understand. It was 50-50 as to whether or not the ball came out, what was possession, what wasn't, that debate. But um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to focus too much on the officials because you tied in frigging Cleveland. So if, <laughs> if you're coming down to the officials, then a lot of other things went wrong if you're complaining about the refs tying you, Cleveland. What mm-hmm. do you think was a bigger troll, Lev Bell's monocle tweet or Ben running a QB sneak? I liked Ben running the QB sneak. Yeah, I like that. That was, that was terrific. I like it Caboli a lot. Caboli was going crazy in the press box. Was they brought the big guys in, and he's sitting there yelling, "Do it, do it, do it!" I, I, I thought. I don't know about you guys thought, but remember what happened? What was the sequence before that? The third quarter just ended. That was the first play of the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. AB catches the ball on the sidelines, get forced out. There's that weird moment where the cameras cut away real quickly as he was going over to Haley. Did you notice? But he had a big smile on his face, and I'm like, "What is he going to say to Haley here?" And they came back, they showed the instant replay of them talking on the sidelines. In my head, it was, hey, Todd, guess what we're going to do on fourth and inches? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought, and boom, right away, quarterback sneak. I'd like to know what Daly was saying to Burns. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, how about was, that? I thought Burns was right there. Fi- oh, what a child. Oh, he, he acknowledged that, he was upset he, with himself. He completely embarrassed himself. You, can't, yeah. you, you gave the ref no choice. Yeah. You know what, though, Jarvis Landry does that, too. He is a pain in the ass. We talked about it on Friday about he's Heinz Ward-like. He's a bleep, Ward-like. bleep he just, that, yeah. that he's a veteran. He knows how to get a young guy like that out of his mind. And and he did it. He's and Brad he, Marchand in cleats is what he yeah. is. And he and, and that guy, I, just I, fell for it. I don't know what you think of him. I, I like him. As, oh, yeah. As I a like player. Him. Like, I would Bless like him. him. I'm gonna I'm gonna well, you had him. him on your team. We had him on our team. He was Heinz Ward, like yeah. you just said. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but it is fun when he drops a ball in a crucial situation after he does all that crap like he did in overtime. It's contagious, right. bro. Tim Benz. Uh, <laughs> Bless him. Contagious. Bless him. Tim Benz will be uh, part of... Uh, oh, wait. No, 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 no. I thought you were doing Chalk Talk tonight, but you're not. That's Craig Wolfley. Uh, Chalk Talk with I'm James Conner. I'm doing this, the show with Jerry tonight on 970. You are, okay. Down at the uh, bottle shop in Bridgeville. Ste- I see. This is one of my favorite things about Steelers season. There's, there's always a show somewhere. There's Steelers shows all week long. Uh, so you'll be down at the bottle shop tonight. Yes, we will be. 8 o'clock? And you have your power hour coming up with Stan later today, right? Stan, the power hour. you got to work in one question for Stan, being the tennis honk that he is. Oh, about Serena? Serena Williams' meltdown. Why? What do you think? I can't believe how many people are rushing to her side. She basically pulled an Artie Burns and is getting lauded for it by the <laughs> national media. Well, here's what I would say about it is that she may have a great point in terms of it being uh, double standard because there have been plenty of men who have done the same thing and uh, way, 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 way worse. Yeah, yeah, but he also got fined a lot. Uh, right, but he never got you know uh, a penalized a game. From- uh, my point was I thought him and Jimmy Connors were a-holes when they did that stuff back then so <laughs> I reserve the right to think that she sure. was acting like an a-hole now but she maybe not should have had a game taken away for her, from her for it but she just called him a thief that's a lot I mean these guys she, she, wouldn't, Jimmy let Connors she just called, wouldn't let it go Jimmy Connors called the, the ref an abortion and, and had nothing happen to him okay but that's not impugning his integrity that's almost that's just worse saying his mom should have killed yeah. him if you're saying he's a thief you're saying that he is 
orchestrating an outcome as opposed to adjudicating. I I don't pay enough attention to the dynamics of women's tennis to really have like a uh, oh, you know, a strong don't, opinion on don't, it. Don't but I'll say the, do, the real tragic thing to me was that <laughs> that uh, the girl who won oh, Osaka uh, had you know it, it's it but was why did that happen? She argued for twenty minutes and she incited the crowd. That's why it happened. Yeah, I didn't know that that went on that long. I only saw oh, yeah. exactly exactly. Yeah. It's the most misrepresented story I've ever seen in my life because I was reading about it. I saw. Yeah. A couple I thought it was very brief. Yeah, I was like, oh, and I thought okay. the second penalty was BS because it was coaching which happens all the That's time. That's the first penalty. That, that was the first. Okay, yeah, then so racket abuse and okay. then verbal abuse. Yeah, okay. so I mean I thought it would just kind of happen in a fleeting moment. I go home and watch SportsCenter after the Pitt-Penn State game. It was f- it was 14 minutes long. I didn't know it they, was that they, long. They, they, oh, yeah. they had to bring the tournament officials out of the press box to calm her down. It, it was the equivalent of late, LeBron James getting a lane violation and then throwing a chair on the court after going 0 for 18 on his next 18 shots. I know Billy Jean Did King. Did she stand on the court with her hands pointing at the... Uh... <laughs> J.R. Smith. <laughs> Billy Jean King Whoa, wrote it. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, she wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post and was 100% on Serena's side. Yeah, and so did Sally Jenkins, and you know, making it a whole feminist issue. But I, look, it's not the first time a, an official has overstepped their bounds. Like Joey Crawford, Dutch Renner, Joe West, Ed Hockley, Ted Hightower. All these refs are rena- these are all men's sports. I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Right. Well, these guys have done this for Ed twenty. Uh, Ted Valentine. Ted Valentine. Yeah, sorry, Ted Valentine. Ted Valentine's a good one for that too. Yes, example. Both of them, right? <laughs> Uh, but I just think it's it's going way too far to make this a gender thing. Okay, uh, that's tennis talk. Uh, we'll have <laughs> more with Stan later this morning. More U.S. Open and coverage. And Ernie Burns acting like a baby, too. Exactly. Uh, on the way for you, the power hour with Stan Saverny and more with Mike Neck. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. It's still raining. Who'll stop the rain, Randall? Well, it wasn't. I don't know. We couldn't stop the run there uh, a couple of times yesterday. Kept because t- every time they got a rush on Tarod Taylor, he just would take off running. Man, they didn't do yeah. a great job of containing Not him. Not every time, but too many times. Yeah. They, they, it's one of those deals. You could <laughs> you could stop the great back nineteen times in a row, and if he runs the twentieth carry eighty yards to the house, what good does it do? And uh, they they Gene Collier hates this phrase. They allowed Taylor to break contain too often. Now, it Why does was, he hate that phrase? Because break contain is grammatically incorrect. It's just the dumbing down of our society through The language. degradation of yeah. the English language? It's like the rain continues to fall. Uh, it was a good point Jerry Dean made, and I was in on that interview with Cam Hayward where he said we wanted him to get outside, and then he didn't elaborate on it. I, I don't know if he misspoke there or that was some kind of plan that he, A, didn't want to reveal or B, didn't want to own up to because after he said it, he realized pretty bad idea. Wait, that sounds stupid when you say it yeah, out loud. Maybe we can get Cam to uh, explain that uh, for us tomorrow morning. But uh, the, the book on uh, Tyrod Taylor coming into the game was if his team is able to run the ball and he can effectively use play action and if he can get outside and make plays with his arm or his legs, either running out of the pocket or getting out of the pocket and then throwing short passes to you know relatively high percentage throws he can be an effective guy and beat you if you make him stay in the pocket and then pressure him up the middle he's going to struggle so that's it i would presume that's the way they were trying to approach it too often it didn't work out that way 21 21 a lot of things went wrong uh 
I'm going to keep going back to James Conner's fumble because it was 21-7 to with half of the fourth quarter left, and all the Steelers had to do at this point was run it three times and punt it, and they probably get out of there with a win. Uh, that didn't happen. Connor fumbled. Uh, Jabril Peppers returned it to the one-yard line. Browns got a touchdown. All of a sudden, it was a new game. Uh, Connor summed it up as uh, something that happens, but something that shouldn't. It came from the backside. Uh, felt it late. Football, you know, that's, stuff like that happens. It's part of the game. Um, can't let it happen no more. Yeah, can't let it happen no more. That Everything contributes, but that was a critical point of the game. It was over, and then that brought the Browns back to life. And none of the other stuff happens if that doesn't happen, I think. But that's conjecture on my part. The Steelers did turn it over six times. Ben Roethlisberger said they saw what the Cleveland, what the Cleveland defense did to them coming. They just didn't handle it very well. Yeah, I mean, we, we expected mixing things up, bringing pressure, dropping back, and they did a little bit of all that. And give them credit, uh, they made plays today, especially the turnovers. I mean, you can't win a football game when you turn the ball over that many times. No, well, it makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steelers had a chance to win it anyway, uh, sitting on five turnovers in overtime. But uh, Chris Boswell. I thought they should have been more aggressive on that drive, you know, yeah. given the conditions. Try to pick up a few more yards. Yeah, Boswell was wide left from 42 yards. The snap was high. But Jordan Berry said it uh, shouldn't have been a deal breaker on the play. Yeah, had to yeah, get up and get it, but it wasn't nothing crazy. You know, it's definitely within my capabilities of catching it, which I did, and yeah, got it down. So, yeah. It's been a long time since that unit didn't produce in that type of situation. Yeah, it's, it's uh, obviously last year we had a pretty good run there, so it's yeah, a little disappointing that we couldn't come through today. And, um yeah, make it work that we needed to for the rest of the team. I, uh, Five wins by three or fewer points last year. Four of them on late field goals. Surprised Boswell didn't talk to the media yesterday. I didn't, I didn't see him. I didn't know. Yeah, he, he, did he, didn't, he didn't make himself available. Well, he was headed to the locker room, and then he missed it. Just left. Ran into the wall. Yeah. Jordan Berry was terrible yesterday. And I know people don't are like, ah, who cares about the punter? He, he I mean... It's a huge deal to give the other team field position like that. Yeah, it would help if he was better. Uh, I haven't had that conversation with anybody as to how important the holding capabilities are. I'm sure it plays into it. If that plays into it a lot, I'm fine with that because Boswell's usually money for them. And as we just elaborated, he was critical last year to their success. You know, four or five wins, you get five wins by three points or fewer. That's uh, the difference between 13 and three and eight and eight. Those kind of games can go either way. They played a lot of games like the one yesterday last year, and uh, they almost always pulled them out of the fire somehow. Yesterday they didn't do it. But I, I'm i going to keep going back to what I saw defensively. That uh, I guess they call it the quarter package. It's six DBs with three safeties as opposed to four corners and two safeties. They uh, brought, for the most part, Morgan Burnett off the bench. They're headlining free agent acquisition. Mm-hmm. And uh, Terrell Edmonds, for the most part, was playing strong safety. Then you had Mike Hilton doing his usual nickel. So He was great. So it was Hilton, Joe Hayden until he got hurt, and Artie Burns, and then Sean Davis, Terrell Edmonds, and Morgan Burnett. And Vince Williams, for the most part, was the linebacker in that. And I, I still got some questions about Vince's uh, coverage abilities, but, boy, he got after it again tackling-wise, and he rushes the passer pretty well. And that part of it looks better to me than what we saw last year. I agree. 
And I think that's something that down the road that's going to pay off if they can keep that consistent and get better doing that. TJ looks great coming from the left. Man, did he have a Good game switch. yesterday. Yes, he did. All right, when we come back, top five plays of the game. The Power Hour with Stan Saverin on the way. Don't forget, Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge back at TVE.com. The grand prize for week two. Ticket to see Steelers and the Ravens on September 30th. Head to DVE.com for rules and registration. You must submit a lineup by 1255 Sunday, September 16th. The Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge at DVE.com. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Steelers-Browns yesterday. Top five plays of the game as compiled by our crack staff. That would be you? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Staff that we have on crack. Alright, uh, number five, TJ Watt started off his huge day with a sack that I think set the tone defensively. He'd go on to have four of these on the day on an 11 tackle after... TJ Watt! Big day for TJ Watt it yesterday. that fast. He was... Just a monster all oh, he's day all long. Over the field. Number four, James Conner. Would he or won't he? The big question. He answered that with a resounding 192 yards total. Yes. And uh, he was running the ball great yesterday. No levy on Bell. No problem yesterday. James Conner, the second of his two touchdowns, a 22 yard scamper noon. Rod Taylor is under center. He's going to fade the pass. Pocket collapses. He's hit and downed inside the five-yard line by this swarming Steelers defense. Here comes. That is James Conner again. Zigging and zagging. 10-5. Touchdown. Pittsburgh Steelers. A 22-yarder for Conner. Just a little context on that. Bell went over 180 combined yards five times last year. Top end was 192. And I think his longest run last year was 27 yards. Connor hit that in his first game. That is pretty correct. Good. At number three, Cam Sutton coming up big with a pick that kept the Steelers in it. Taylor in the shotgun. The eighth-year veteran for Virginia Tech. Steelers show blitz, and they bring it. Taylor is going to throw it long down the right sideline. That pass will be intercepted. Cam Sutton. Jumped inside of the intended receiver, Josh Gordon. What a play for the second-year man from Tennessee. Cam Sutton comes up big time. Right, that, had, that was after he'd already gotten burned for a touchdown. And on that one, Gordon had him. But Brown's going to Brown's. Cam I, still comes up big. I think there were at least five times yesterday, good and bad, both teams. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> So it's a good game. Did he really just call like, a fair catch I, I with nobody know. within 30 it, yards of him? No, it got you engaged. You were reacting to it. You didn't I, know what was going to happen. No. It was exciting. No, it was a train wreck. I agree with Bill. It was a train a wreck. Bit. Yeah, we're on a different uh, grading scale. Oh, you're Mr. I have no blood in the game, blah, blah, Correct. blah, journalistic integrity. Yeah, well, all my blood's in the game. Well, and I, was, my blood is all over the game. The, my pressure was up. Second uh, big play of the game yesterday, number two. Antonio Brown struggled to get involved early, and when he finally did, Ben throws one, trusts A.B., and, you know, we talk about how James Washington might be great at the battle catch, and that was yet to be uh, uh, proven. A.B. yesterday with a remarkable A.B. catch for a touchdown, 22 yards. Gets the snap, four-man rush. 
throws the back shoulder fade. And in the end zone, Antonio Brown hauls it in for a Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown, beating Denzel Ward. You know, he made another catch over the middle late in the game. It might have been on the drive for well, the midfield goal where he got oh, yeah. crushed and still held the ball. I mean, that guy is insufferable, and got up. infuriating, but what a player. And in what is emblematic of how sad yesterday really was for Steeler fans, here's your number one play of the game. The kick is on its way. It's back! And the Steelers come up big with a special teams play as they get through there and block this 43-yard field goal. Was that Cam that blocked it? Let's see who gets the kudos on the sideline. Now, look, that kept them from losing to the Browns. Yes. Okay. It didn't. Although, if T.J. Watt didn't get his hand on it, it probably would have hit somebody in the ass. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Much like that, the the punt. Oh yeah. Did by the way, was that T.J. Watt that got the rush on the punt? I was Rosie Nix. He, I tell you what, one more inch and that punt is going backwards, and it's Steelers game. That is that close. But the fact they didn't capitalize on that mm, drove me crazy. Here's the thing about it: in some respects, I almost wish the Steelers would have lost. Only one respect. If it, if a loss is buried in your your record at the end of the year, it doesn't stick out. It's just you know six. It's a number five, six, whatever, four, three. Who knows? All right, you don't think about it. But when it's dangling off like a zit before a big night out, it's like a a, a hair in the middle of your nose. <laughs> it's a dingleberry on the season. <laughs> yeah, all year long. Well, Every time you see the record, you're going to remember this horrible afternoon. Three things about that. Number one, maybe they'll go 15-0 and one, and still be undefeated. Then yeah. you'll love that tie. Yeah. Number two, maybe they'll have another tie, and then you won't remember the first one. Oh, God. And number three, and this one actually might make some sense. Maybe not. Isn't it better when the Browns games are competitive? Isn't everybody bored by now with playing Cleveland twice a year? Yeah, but I want to win. Three hours of beating this train wreck collection of clowns. I want to win. Move on to a real game. I want this rivalry back. Uh, It's back. I want to win. Yep. Still want to win. Okay. Always want to win. I think... We all know where the arrow is pointing here in this rivalry. One team's got a whole lot of young talent that should be coming into their own here. And another team has is, uh, you, you know, the pundits are writing articles, last chance at the Super Bowl. Steelers got to get it done. It's 10-2 to and they're now. not hooked up yet. Power Hour of Steeler Talk with Hall of Famer Stan Saverin next on DVE. Berg. Uh, In health news, two new studies say probiotics are mostly useless and might even hurt you. Yeah, uh, but does that also mean that taking them naturally, like through like yogurt yogurt and stuff like that is bad? I don't know. Find out. It said hi, unless you eat a a lot of Greek yogurt. What's a lot? (laughs) More than one a day. One what? One (laughs) container. (laughs) Gallon. What do you have of that? Kind of container. Did you ever think about making your own Greek yogurt? Did you ever think about it? <laughs> yes, I have actually. Really? Because I never have. Wow. No. Why? What you can get a yogurt maker because they have yogurt maker. Yogurt maker. I already have one. <laughs> I don't want any of that. Jeez. I don't care how Greek you make it. Ah. Uh...
Do I need to wrap this up? I mean, I think we all do. All right. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It is the DVE Morning Show. Steeler talk all morning long here. The power hour now with Stan Saverin as we try to make sense of what went down yesterday. Stan, before we get into the Steelers-Browns, I would be remiss if I did not uh, ask you your thoughts on what went on with the U.S. Open and Serena Williams. Um, I hate that yet another sporting event has been taken over by any sort of political uh, um, <clears throat> you know, talk or, or, or situation uh, once again, but it seems that uh, it's inevitable these days. And with Serena Williams and her outburst Saturday being defended by some as pointing out the double standard in, in tennis, other people saying that her petulance is overshadowing her greatness – I wonder where you, the consummate tennis fan that you are and brilliant sports analyst that you are, I wonder where you fall in this debate. I was there last week. I saw uh, you know some of the matches last Friday. Um, she is a blight on a great sport. That is so... That's such an extreme opinion based on how she is presented. That, that, that to me, would be like saying that LeBron James is a blight on the sport of basketball. She's the best female w- tennis player of all time. But aside from that, her behavior on the court is detrimental to the game. This is not the first time. A couple of years ago, she was fined and suspended for threatening to jam her racket down a female lines person's throat. Caught on camera audio it's not the first time it only happens when she loses everything's hunky-dory when she wins dancing around in that ridiculous tutu um she looked like she was auditioning for part in the sorcerer's apprentice if you remember that movie uh mickey mouse yeah Yeah. not mickey mouse oh Oh, i'm thinking of fantasia oh Uh, maybe it was fantasia whatever it was uh but i digress Uh, this is not the first time this kind of behavior she is ungracious. She can, when she loses, she can never think of a good thing to say about her opponent. It's all about her. Even when she loses to her sister, which these days doesn't happen terribly often, no. couldn't muster a, a kind word. Uh, and again, this kind of behavior on court. Here's the key. The chair umpire admonished her for getting coaching signals. Her coach admitted that he did it. But doesn't that happen all the time? Don't other coaches do that constantly without any retribution? If they get away with it. According to her Most, coach, and, and I don't know much about tennis. I, I only watched a little bit of the talk around what happened here, but it was my understanding that that's something that occurs with great regularity and it is never called out. It's, it isn't called out. I don't know if it's because they just let it go. It's not supposed to be. Mm. Or I don't know if she is a repeat offender, and an egregious violator. Other, they allege, I've I've, I've only seen it called once. Hey, cut that out. You're not allowed to do it. Now, on the WTA tour, you are allowed to do that, but not in the Grand Slams. Okay. What is the penalty for it? Like, what what was the original, like, it's a warning. Just, just, you get a warning, and then... And then she just lost her mind because she, lost she her said, mind. you're calling me a cheater. Right, exactly. But the coach admitted... That they were cheating. So now you can turn around and say, well, they're only picking on me. 
Well, that doesn't make it right for what you did. And again, I don't know. It may have been that either someone in the USTA said, look, this goes on with them all the time more than anybody else. It might have been her opponent's coach who went to the tournament officials and said, keep an eye on this. That happens all the time. Happens in every sport. Hey, keep an eye. They do this. Uh, They run this pick play, that sort of thing. So uh, I think that her behavior, again, if this was the first time, big match, she was losing, doesn't happen to her all that often, but this, her demeanor and her behavior on court has been consistent with this. All right, let's go to the Steelers-Browns. James Conner's performance yesterday, how much do you think that sort of reassures the Steelers that they can be okay during this Lev Bell holdout? I think they were convinced of that anyway. I think bottom line is it's not about James Conner. Are they a better team with Le'Veon Bell or without him? They're a better team with him, even if he picks up some of the carries, even if Conner picks up some of his carries. In fact, I wondered why they didn't run Ridley a little bit yesterday. Uh, you know, Maybe get, late in the game when they needed to secure the ball. Yeah, well, you know, that aside, I mean, he had a fairly long rest, you know, after that. But, I mean, that's a lot of carries and, you know, first game of the year and be that as it may, um, they're still a better team with Le'Veon Bell. In however they use him, however they use James Conner, they're better with the both of them rather than just one. I don't think that that was a concern of them or or sort of will affect their philosophy. I mean, I think their their philosophy is relative to Le'Veon Bell is set in stone. And yeah, it makes them feel better about having James Conner. He was somewhat of an unknown, despite the good summer that he had. Uh, James has had trouble staying healthy. Now, that's still going to be a question mark. It is for any running back, really. Uh, the one thing that I, and I, I don't want to denigrate his performance, because he was terrific yesterday in a lot of different areas. Uh, but I mentioned this last week to people when the Le'Veon Bell thing was a hot topic, what well, still is, but when he didn't report and all you know, we look at Le'Veon's numbers, and that's the way you evaluate him. We've all seen him play. He's the best all-round back in the NFL. Uh, nothing makes me uh, waver from that thought, but I brought this up Friday. One thing that people never bring up, which I felt compelled to do, he never fumbles. Oh, Le'Veon yeah. Bell has fumbled three times in over 800 carries. Right. He's great with ball security, which is not to say that James Conner a, has a problem. I'm not saying that at all, but that's the one thing that people don't mention when they're talking about Le'Veon Bell. No, I, I, yeah, that fumble I, I attribute to Miles Garrett less to James Conner. Yeah, I mean, he made a heck of a play, and someone's got to block him over there and that kind of thing. <laughs> that having been said, you know, part of ball security is being where aware of, of what's around you. Well, I, that clearly turned the game. It doesn't excuse them, however, from blowing a 21-7 lead. And even after that, uh, they still had an opportunity to win the game. Yeah, the Ben next turnover, but they still allowed the Browns to move, what, 58 yards in two plays. So, But but m- from a momentum standpoint, Connors fumbled clearly. The You know why? Because if you looked at the Browns, when the Steelers were up 21-7, they couldn't move the ball. Uh, Cleveland fans were getting a were real just, good taste of yeah. Todd Haley. Uh, you know, draw plays on oh, third and yeah. thirteen. You know, you could se- you could see that coming. The Browns were beaten. They yes. were defeated. They looked like the Browns. A Browns team that even last year they led several games late in the third quarter, but they didn't have the talent or frankly the coaching to go on and close that out. They looked like oh well okay we're good for a half. 
and that just turned him on. Yep. Uh, how much do you think Ben needs to embrace the idea that protecting the ball is paramount at this point? Yesterday, again, trying to elongate plays led to two fumbles. He had to know Miles Garrett was owning Villanueva. The offensive line got weaker as the game went on, and he had less and less time. If the second option isn't there for him, doesn't he have to either take off if there's any room or go down? Well, I think that... Because he, I mean, the collapse in the pocket was brutal yesterday. It was. I mean, Miles Garrett's a beast. Uh, it's hard to tell from television. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if they weren't sliding help for him uh, from Villanueva. Miles Garrett's a beast. I mean, that's why he was drafted number mm-hmm. one overall. And he had a great preseason on top of it. Uh, I think Terrible at poetry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really good at football. Uh, maybe he could be a rapper. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that seems to be uh, in vogue. Uh, I mean, I, any quarterback's got to be aware of the pressure around him. You know, I give Ben a pass on two of the three interceptions. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Jesse James, that's right off his hands. Uh and the deep ball, it appears there was some sort of a miscommunication. But the forced Antonio Brown, you, I mean, that that's a bad play. He's got to know better than that. I think they were getting antsy because they were taking A.B. out of the game, at least for a while, uh, going beyond the turnover issue. I think one of the things that they're missing, and I think it was evident yesterday, they need a third weapon in the pass game. Uh, I don't understand why. I don't know why James Washington wasn't used. He was dressed. He played special teams. I know he had a slight injury. But I think it was injury-related. Why? Then why is he on special teams? Good point. Uh, to me, Justin Hunter is a guy uh, who's just there. Darius Hayward Bay as a receiver is of no value whatsoever. Uh, Vance McDonald, he can be your third weapon. Uh, right now, they've got Juju and they've got A.B. They need, and that may be part of the issue with why Ben's holding the ball so long, that that inside guy, uh, they had Switzer in there for a while. He dropped one, although he looks like he's going to be a valuable addition. They need that third weapon. You know whether that's James Washington, which is why they drafted him. Whether it's Vance McDonald, they're getting no, very little help from their tight ends. Although Jesse had a nice play, um, but that was kind of a broken play. Uh, that's one of the things missing, and I think that may be one of the reasons that we can attribute Ben hanging longer because people were not getting open. Now, they're you AB's used to getting double teamed. They're all used to that. But there's got to be a viable option somewhere else, and I think he was having trouble finding it. Here's uh, Ben after the game talking about not making plays down the stretch. You know, we had a chance, and, and our defense did a great job of, of giving us that chance. Um, it's just frustrating that, that you can't you know, make the plays down the stretch, and, and we didn't make them. No, they didn't make them, and he lost the handle a couple of times. Uh, he had AB, uh, the, you know, had his guy beat, and he underthrew him. Looked like he was trying to go maybe back shoulder there, or didn't react. Uh, he just wasn't sharp yesterday. Some of that might have been weather related, but in addition to the to the picks, which I agree with you, two of them I don't think were on him. Uh, he just didn't have it going yesterday. It seemed like uh, still preseason kind of uh, cobwebs being worked out yesterday, Stan. There were a couple passes even early on. There was one to Antonio Brown, not the interception. That was the first was, down, yeah. Yeah, that, and the pass was low and it was wide. No, he wasn't sharp uh, yesterday, I'm sure. Although Ben generally is a really good mutter. He plays well in those circumstances. He usually plays good against the Browns, too. Well, very. Most wins in that stadium. But, but, 
If you look at Ben's career, his quarterback rating, and weather was a factor yesterday, his quarterback rating is 20 points lower on the road as opposed to what it is at home. We all know that their record uh, on the road has not been good, especially against, I'll put this in quotes, inferior opposition. But his quarterback rating is 20 points lower on the road than at home. Uh, I, I, I don't have an answer for you, but it is. And that, that's just a fact. Um, that's, um, uh, but even with that, uh, they, as much as the defense, really, you can't blame them for the second touchdown, penalties attributed greatly. Oh. Um, I, you know, I thought it was going to be a turning point in the game when Javon Hargrave, on, you know, they sacked Tyrod Taylor on first down. It's second and 20 from the three. He gets called for defensive holding, which automatically gives them a first down. Mm-hmm. He gets them out of a hole, and then Artie Burns goes nuts. Uh, and all oh. of a sudden, off they go uh, on a touchdown drive. The second touchdown, you know, you give them the ball at the one, what do you expect? Uh, I do have to look at them for the defense for giving up really an easy two-play 58-yard drive. But the offense takes some blame, too. Uh, when you look at what they did from the midway point, they get the ball. They're up 21-7 to with 7.49 to play, whatever it was. Yeah. And Nothing. Nothing. Nothing until they moved into position for the field goal and the win in overtime. So they share some blame, too. Defensively, what about Bud Dupree maybe lining up as a safety (laughs) so that he can actually rush to the quarterback instead of 20 yards past him? Well, I think what they ought to do is make a special dispensation and let him line up in the opponent's backfield and then say, here, turn around and run this way. Run back to the quarterback. He actually had a decent game, but the, the, the problem with Bud Dupree is he doesn't have any moves. He's got the speed move, um, but, he, he, you know, you see guys, you know, they, they, they outside, they dip inside, they have a swim move. Uh, not everything could be a bull rush. Not everything could be a speed rush because an offensive tackle, um, that guy's an undrafted free agent. Um, and by the way, I mentioned this last week, too. I'd watched Chris Hubbard in two preseason games. And also, what you could tell from Hard Knocks, and I, he did a great job here, but he got abused all summer, and he got abused yesterday, too. Uh, but be that as it may, I mean, Bud Dupree's playing against an undrafted rookie free agent. Yeah. I thought he should have had the game that Watt had, just it, given his opponent. Well, everybody watching tape of that game is going to say there's an old there's an old adage uh, with blocking an offensive lineman take the man where he wants to go if he wants to go outside ride him outside that's why Dupree's got to develop a move outside then cut inside you mentioned the weather coach Tomlin talked about it after the game it was a weather game for them as well and so we don't seek comfort in that regard Um, they did a better job of dealing with it if it was a factor than we did football's an outdoor game guys you know, you can talk about the weather till the cows come home, man. That's that's how the games play. Well, uh, weather was a factor yesterday for both Undoubtedly. teams. No doubt about that. It was actually better than the original forecast. I was up there this past weekend, and that not only were they talking about the steady hard rain, but they were also talking about the remnants from Hurricane Gordon. Uh, they were not Josh Gordon, uh, <laughs> who was a, a mild shower yesterday. Uh, they were talking about wind gusts 30 to 40 miles an hour, and any quarterback will tell you, they're not wild about rain, but it's the wind that really affects them. The one thing that I, I thought was noticeable here, 
one of the reasons that the Browns went out and got Tyrod Taylor, who uh, is of marginal NFL quality, Mm -hmm. but the one thing that he does well, and that's why they wanted to bring him in, is he has great ball security. Yeah. He doesn't throw interceptions. Right. He doesn't fumble. And the day like yesterday, let's remember, the Steelers had seven sacks. He didn't fumble once. Stan Savard, more from uh, Stanley here as we do the power hour of Steeler talk after the Steelers and Browns battle to a tie in Cleveland yesterday. Mike will have more coming up in sports next on DVE. It's a galactic battle at Carnegie Science Center's 21-plus night this Saturday. 376 between Aliquippa and Center Township. Closed in both directions. Uh, that's due to an explosion, gas line explosion, and fire this morning. Other closures, road closures due to flooding. 51 southbound between Coal Valley Road and Ray Large Road, Baldwin uh, Road. And streets run closed between Ramp Street in the city of Pittsburgh and Brentwood Road in Baldwin. Piney Fork Road between Brownsville and Snowden Road. Boyce Road between Hunting Ridge and Washington Road in South Fayette. Stewart Road and Berryman Avenue between Brownsville and Stoltz Road in South Park. Also the bathtub of the Parkway East closed 10th Street Bypass and ramps. And also the Mon Morph closed due to flooding today. I'm Val Porter, DVE Total Traffic. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with a recap of what went on there yesterday in Cleveland and Stan Saver joining us for this Power Hour Steeler Talk on your flagship of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. You guys remember that playoff game in Denver a few years ago? Mike, why the, do you bring this up? The one that the Steelers almost won? I, I remember. I when we got a, Tebowed? That's a yet? No. Oh. When they went in the without AB oh, and they yes. went in without Bell and without D'Angelo Williams. What yeah. do you think most that people... Was a two, that was a Fitzgerald-Tucson fumble game. Where Thank Manning you. gave himself up. What do people blame that game on? a pass. Fitzgerald-Tucson's fumble. What do you blame yesterday on? <laughs> it turned the tide. Unquestionably. Because we were talking Unquest- about... Unquest- and the Browns had... The Browns looked like the Browns. They were beaten. They were defeated. People were leaving. Oh, yeah? They were making their way up the aisles and out the concourse and off in Ohio, wherever they go. And that happened, and they came back. And ben didn't I, have to fumble on the subsequent drive. I don't say that to say it defines James Conner or it, it discredits what he did before that, but it's like a goal. You, you're supposed to make great saves. He's supposed to gain yards. That's his job. You can't fumble the ball in that situation. They're not trying to make a play. There. I don't know what was going through Ben's mind when he fumbled. Maybe he thought, okay, it's a seven-point game. we got to get more points. I don't know. They didn't need more points at that point. They needed to run the ball, run time, punt it back, and get on the bus. Yeah, if you can't Connor... fumble the ball there. And, Randy, I guarantee you the coaches aren't going to say, that's oh, okay, James. Miles Garrett's really good. you got to have ball security. I mentioned, Mike, uh, one of the things that people don't consider often enough, they look at Le'Veon Bell's stats, but I mentioned on my show on Friday, he never fumbles. Rarely. I mean, yeah. never. At three, I think three I think, fumbles and over 800 carries. I think he's lost three. I think he's fumbled seven. Okay. They've lost three. But, he's, but yeah, the point is he rarely ever gives it up. That and changed everything yesterday. But Made it a game again. But they still had an opportunity and should have won the game. Uh, many time, many chances to win it thereafter, but they had it won there. Yep. I don't know how good the Browns are to be able to judge the Steelers' defensive effort. But That's from a the, very good point. From the secondary, 
uh, standpoint, pre-Joe Hayden's injury, I thought they were very good. Joe Hayden did too. Here's uh, Joe Hayden talking about that. But defense did well, man. I think the one thing we got to try to do is create more turnovers. You know, we only had one day. So just trying to force some more fumbles, uh, get the ball more to the offense as many as, as many times as you can. But as an overall defense, I think the, I think we did pretty good. Our starting defense, man, we have a very, very solid defense. Um, we're out there communicating. As long as there's no bust, as long as we don't have people running scot-free, uh, man on the man, and make people beat us, you know what I'm saying, I think we're going to be fine. Do you have any of those today? Uh, no. It was just them. When they, when they made a play, they made a play. Their guy made it. We were on them. And uh, he he made a catch with, with JG. So um, just those times where times where we just want to try to get the ball back. Now that's my biggest take out of this game. And your point about the Browns' offense is a great one because they're going to play better quarterbacks than Tyrod Taylor in terms of yeah. ability to throw. But I would have bet my mortgage that they'd have let at least one guy run free down the middle of the field <laughs> somewhere at some point. I don't recall seeing it. Hayden said he didn't remember it. Now, he said he wanted to go back and look at the film just to be sure. Artie Burns and uh, Sean Davis said the same thing. But I thought they were playing the coverages they were supposed to play. They weren't standing around looking at each other after a 60-yard touchdown that was way too easy like we saw how many times last year. Now, will a better passing quarterback exploit them more often? Well, guess we'll find out. We're going to find out. But, you know, first things first, that new package, that uh, three safeties, three corners – uh, six DBs, I think they call it the quarter. Uh, I, I think that ended up being the coverage of choice the majority of the time. And if they can play that well, they got a chance to be better on defense. Got a chance. Well, they stopped the run very well uh, outside of Tyrod Taylor's uh, scramble. Some of those were design runs. But they did a you know really good job. Boom Hyde only had a 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, Chubb had one nice run, but they did a good job you know stopping the run. Uh and I, if you would have told me that, and I realize there was an extra 10-minute overtime period, but if you would have told me that Tyrod Taylor would have to pass 40 times, I'd say, in the bag. 15 of 40. 15 of 40. Should have been a winning number. But it wasn't. One reason why, uh, the Browns uh, found Cam Sutton on Josh Gordon once Joe Hayden left the game. Here's Cam Sutton talking about the game-tying TD. I just got to get my hands through there and, and, and get the ball out. That's it. It happens. You know, it's just football. That's just the nature of the game. Um, you know, you just never let one play define you. You just keep going. Um, and good things will continue to keep happening for you. And uh, good things happened for Sutton uh, late in regulation. He came up with a pick. Good throw, bad throw, whatever. He got the ball back. Uh, he didn't hang his head. He didn't fall apart after uh, the game got tied. Uh, that's a positive for Camp Sutton. I think so. Um, obviously, no one wants to give a play, but it's football. Like I said, um, things happen throughout the course of the game. Um, you know, everything's not always going to go your right, uh, the right way. Um, but it's, if it doesn't go your right way, it's always, it's always about how you respond. And uh, yeah, defense did a good job of standing up in, in times that we need to step up and get the ball back to the offense or getting off the field in general. Um, so we just got to continue to keep doing that. Yeah, and as far as Ben, I mean, he was clearly culpable. Uh, he can't turn the ball over the way he did it either. But are you worried about Ben? Or do you no. think this is a factor of – or uh, this is partially a factor of him playing very little in the preseason and just having to get back up to speed? I just wish that there were times where he was more conservative. I yes, know – so do I. And we've had these discussions and arguments since he got here. He thinks his competitive drive, you know, to – 
to make a play is what makes him great, and it and that is very true. Right. But where is that fine line? You know, where do you where do you capitulate and say, okay, we're just not going to get beat here, uh, as opposed to I'm going to try to beat them here. I think you just kind of have to live with it. That's the way he is. He's a yeah. gunslinger. Everybody w- always wants to compare him to Brady because that's who we're trying to beat. But he's more like Favre. I think I've watched his whole preseason. I think he's going to have a great year. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I would not look at yesterday and worry about Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, I'm not. As bad as it was. You know, I think part of the issue, and he's got to be more aware in the pocket, but I think part of the issue, Mike, is that they need a third weapon in the passing game, and they don't have it. I don't know why James Washington didn't play. I know he had a slight injury, but he was dressed. Yeah, I think it was time missed with the Played on special teams. Justin Hunter ain't that guy. Darius no. Hayward certainly is not, and they don't have a threat at tight end unless and until Vance McDonald. Where is gets this guy? He's, can we sign a tight end that can get on the field? That's what they signed him for, and we know what happened with Darius Green. But I think part of the issue: look, teams are going to try to take AB away. They're very seldom successful, but in the first half of the game, they were doing a good job of that. And yes. you know, Juju, I thought had a play that could have turned the game around. Because that came right after they had those penalties with Hargrave and Artie Burns led to the Browns touchdown, got right back there. What do they do? So they Juju takes the ball in the seven, and what do they, they get two consecutive penalties. But be that as it may, so you've got Juju, who's a weapon. You got A B. He'll find a way to be double coverage. But who's that third option? And if the third option isn't there, what happens? Ben's looking, 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 looking. Whether he should hold the ball or not, whether he should go down or not, whether he should you know, tuck it under and start to go or not, the issue is that third weapon has got to surface, and right now it's not there. Now, maybe James Washington will play. That's why they drafted him. They did have him out there in overtime with Juju Smith-Schuster and Brown. Uh, the drive they got the ball with 8:43 left in overtime for the first time, and they had him out there in three wide receiver sets a little bit. Uh, How many times was Hunter targeted yesterday? It seemed like a bunch. Too many. <laughs> Dulac, yeah. Dulac was saying yesterday that that Washington is still making his way back from the injury, so he was running snaps with the scout team all week, yeah. and maybe that's why he wasn't as included. Yeah, in the young game guy, plan. they're not sure what he's going to do, and then they had to put him in the game when Hayden went out because he was the backup vice on the uh, punt return team, and then he did end up in the game. Never got targeted. Uh, Hunter got targeted five times, one catch for six yards. So he got targeted as many he times as He did have the touch, not counting he, the TD that got yeah. called back. He did have the touchdown that was called back. True. But that again, that, that can't – and that, that wasn't the only reason they lost that game, certainly. Uh, but I'm just talking about in general. I'm not worried about him in general. I'm not worried about the fact that Baltimore and Cincinnati have a half-game lead. Uh, there's a long way to go. They'll win the division going away. They'll win the division handily. But if you want to get to where you, you want to go, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Okay. I agree. I mean, Baltimore beat Buffalo. By the way, Buffalo's coach took him to the playoffs last year. But he's on my list now. Why? Uh-oh. <laughs> he's losing 40 to nothing. And kicks a field goal. I saw a college coach do that Saturday, losing 42 to nothing with about two minutes to play. Really? If you're close enough to kick a field goal, you're close enough to go for it on our fourth down. Are you kidding? Doesn't want to give him the shutout. Ridiculous. Maybe the over was 42. Then he deserved to get the field goal blocked and run back the other way. Well, for a I'd touchdown. be fine with that if that's what we're going 
that's where we're going. I'm not, of course, accusing anyone. I mean, forty to nothing. They'll win the division going away. I could, yeah. but when you want to, you you want to be which all you can be, um, and that's why they drafted James Washington. And really, it's you shouldn't. Mike Tomlin emphasized this before the game. You shouldn't look at the first game as defining for anybody, right? It's the first game, and the preseason. You guys have heard me bitch about it for how many years? Too many exhibition games. They're useless because they play guys who are going to get cut. I wouldn't put Ben Roethlisberger out there more than they do. I wouldn't put him out there at all. I don't want anybody I need for sixteen games getting hurt in a game that doesn't count. Well, they need James Conner to step up instead of uh, Le'Veon Bell, and he said yesterday was a confidence builder. That's what I expect. I mean, this is the mentality of our offense. We feel like we want to run the ball when we want to run the ball. So I know the mentality of those guys up front. You know, I know the lanes were going to be there today. I know it was going to be a good day on the ground. But like I said, this wasn't enough to win. But when I got confidence in myself, confidence in the guys in front of me blocking, guys on the outside blocking. So confidence builders, you know, it's, it's what we expect to do. Game two against Kansas City is this Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff and, kickoff and all of the action starting four hours before that right here on your radio home of the Steelers, DVE. More with Stan Savern in our Power Hour of Steeler Talk and a tribute to Bill Hillgrove when we come back. DVE morning show the day after the Steelers tied the Browns to start the 2018 season. And without Le'Veon Bell, there was a lot of concern about whether or not James Conner would be able to carry the load and for his part... Except for that fumble, except when he didn't carry it. Yeah, well, he did. Uh, he did. He dropped it. Well, like I said, I don't think he's the goat, but uh, he prevented himself from being the hero. And uh, but for Aaron Rodgers' ridiculous performance last night, I think the whole country would have been talking about and James the shotgun Conner. at the Browns' four. Hands it off and walking into the end zone for his first touchdown of the season. James Conner, the second year running back out of pit. And you really saw the offensive line celebrate on that one. They ran over to him, jumping up and down. And you had to think a lot of that was letting out steam after what happened last week. Mm -hmm. They took on a lot of water from uh, NFL alums and pundits everywhere for siding against their teammate Le'Veon Bell. That was clearly an expression of celebration. Hey, you're not Le'Veon Bell and you scored a touchdown. Yeah, we can we can help someone else get in here. I don't think there's any question about that. And I, I thought after all the reaction on Wednesday when the three interior offensive linemen spoke out, I thought to myself, I don't think they're going to overlook Cleveland after what happened last year. I, I, I expect I had the same thought. I thought this is really going to galvanize, galvanize them. Absolutely. I thought the same thing and I thought it would especially manifest itself with their performance uh, on the ground because as we discussed earlier, uh, that the criticism of that was totally unfounded. Uh, people don't understand the rules. They don't understand the way it works. Former NFL players doesn't necessarily mean they should be analysts because this is not about the game. Those offensive linemen were not criticizing Le'Veon Bell's contract. The contract is set in stone. Nothing can be done about that. What they were criticizing was... For the, Le'Veon Bell, when his agent came out and said, well, we want to protect him so we can become a free agent and be healthy next year, the players are saying, we're supposed to be concerned about you next year when you're on another team, maybe playing against us twice a year? No. We're, 
We're all about this year. We're all about now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about our team. We're not worried about what happens to you in 2019. That's what they were criticizing. Yeah. But there are some dumbbells who you know can run the you know the the 100-yard dash in 9-3. So they you know give them a ridiculous three-piece suit and say, "Here, you're an analyst now." <laughs> and they chirp from an altitude that's way too no, high. I, they, they don't, don't have know the, the specifics. Rules. Yeah, that's. But I do. Th- I agree. I thought that would really. Uh, two things. The running game, I think that they were to make a point, and I I don't think anybody would doubt that Ben called the uh, quarterback sneak to stick a thumb oh, yeah. right in Haley's eye. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Haley dynamic was pretty He enjoyable. was a part of the broadcast yesterday. I mean, several different times, chirping with Artie and then A.B. Yeah. walking right up to him, giving him a hug. I really like Todd. I always did. But, I do, too. Uh, I just wouldn't want to work with him. Well, you're you're not alone. Yeah, he seems like a great guy to have beer with, and not the easiest to work with. Or nine tequilas to uh, ride a bull with, you know on, that kind of friend. On the other side of the ball, T.J. Watt, he that his performance was reassuring yesterday. You know, you talk about leadership and the need for there to be leadership in the lo- in the locker room. Now, Cam Hayward is probably going to be the voice of the D. In the locker room, if not for the whole, no question about it. And yeah. and, and yeah, he better it, speak. Better start speaking up more loudly than he has. I get the feeling that TJ may ease into that role in the near future. I I see him as being that guy. He looks to me like he's a guy who gets fed up with what's going on, but we just haven't heard him say it. Do you get that at all? Yeah, definitely. Like when things aren't going right, he ha- he doesn't feel like I'm not. I'm not in the place to be the one speaking out about this yet. He definitely felt that way as a rookie. Uh, I'm curious. I think it's a really intriguing uh, suggestion by you. And, I think he's going to he start keep, popping. If he kept keeps having multi-sack games and develops into the star that they drafted him to be, will he feel more comfortable to kind of impose his will? If he were to say something along the lines of, I'm sick and tired of this team not being disciplined and taking bad penalties. Oh my lord! Would Steeler Nation throw him right on top of the old uh, uh, chain of command? They Retire need somebody like Jersey. They need somebody like that. Uh, I think Mike's right. I think as a rookie, they don't feel like okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. It's it's really not my place, but it's somebody's place. Again, we had criticism, and what Artie Burns did is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And he he did. I didn't play the clip, but he was. He blamed himself not just for the penalty. Good, then stop doing it. But for the right, he said they scored on that drive too. So that drive's my fault. I, he he lost it. He's a young guy. Jarvis Landry's really good at that. He gets. Oh, I know he, he is. But again, he this is his third year now. Um, and, good point. And, and, good, yeah. and you know, okay. But I liked at least he was accountable. Is the point I'm trying to. Well, make. that's good. Uh, you know, I'm sorry I did that, and then you do it again two weeks from now. Uh, I still people blame Tomlin. Ultimately, the man at the head of the organization is ultimately responsible, really, for everything. But Charlie Batch had a great quote on the postgame show yesterday. He said, "Good teams have great players. Great teams have great leaders." And I'm still waiting for that to emerge. Yeah. Not just by performance. It is changing fast, man. I mean. Just what these guys think is important and what is acceptable and what isn't. Uh, Adam, this is league wide. Adam saying. Crowley had. Uh, I'm assuming. I mean, I don't think the Steelers. Have, I don't deal with the other teams in their locker rooms. So I don't think the Steelers guys are any different than anybody else that's being drafted or signed. But Adam Crowley did his show last week from Heinz Ward's joint, and he had Heinz on, 
And Hines talked about just being around the Steelers a little bit, you know, learning how to coach or interning or whatever they called that. And the amount of time that guys are on their phones and, and the way they comport themselves, he was taken back. Cam Hayward tweeted out something an hour before the game, and I thought, wow, that's crazy. And Heinz Ward didn't play in the 40s. You know, he played 10 minutes ago, yeah. relatively speaking. It, it's changing in a hurry. Just well, you life, know that the Steelers you know, are trying to adjust. The way people are, what yes. they think is important, what they think is acceptable, yeah. how they think they should act. And I'm not judging it. I'm just saying it's way different than it used to be in a relatively short oh, yeah. period of time. I don't think that uh, Cam tweeting an hour before the game meant he wasn't focusing on the game. I think it's like now it is less like... Second nature. Yeah, it's like having a conversation with somebody in the room. Mm-hmm. It's at you know it's as little of a distraction as that because it has become so part of our everyday every hour activity to be interacting with people digitally. My guess is from watching Hard Knocks over the last two three years, it's the same everywhere. I would assume. I mean, I mean why is your phone on an hour before the game? I, yeah, uh, I mean, you text the guy next to you in the stall. I, I found it was interesting. You know, back in the old days when the Turk would show up at Latrobe when they were cutting people, they would send one of the ball boys around. Now what do they do? They text them, hey, you got to, or they call them on their cell yeah. phone. I, I'd love to remember, and I can't, but who's the first guy to wear headphones out onto a field? It, you mean in warm ups? Yeah. Now yeah. everybody does. As a matter of fact, a guy did that in strike camp in Johnstown in 87. I can't remember his name, but he actually had headphones on, on the field, and everybody reacted like he came from Pluto or something. I mean, it's just somebody starts doing something, and it, once it becomes accepted, everybody does. Stan, it. who gets your game ball? Even though it's a tie, we give out a game ball. I got to give it to T.J. Watt. Uh, you know the defense. The only problem I have with the defense, we you know we talked about the 17-yard touchdown catch by Josh Gordon. It was the pass to Higgins at a critical time in the game that set the whole thing up. That just accelerated the Browns' momentum. Yeah, Gordon caught the touchdown pass, but it was that big third with 33 yards, I think, to, to uh, Higgins that, that set the whole thing up. Uh, but by and large, you know, you're giving the, uh, the Browns the ball at the one-yard line. Um, I thought the defense certainly played well enough to win, even if it's against a, a suspect defense. They handled the run game, so i got to go with T.J. Watt. I gave mine to James Conner, but he fumbled it. There it is again. See? Why is he going to do that? He's going to keep it up. Bill Hillgrove. You put that one up on the rim, Randy. I got to jam it. Bill Hillgrove's 25th year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is Mike Tomlin. I'd like to congratulate Bill Hillgrove on 25 years. Here's to many more years and many more memorable calls. Listen to the chat. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. And they hand it to Willie Parker. Finds a lane. He's on his way. Look out. Foot race, 45-50. Willie Parker, 40 43 seconds to go. Ben gets the snap. Throws it back corner of the end zone. Santonio with a touchdown. Santonio Holmes. I don't know how he did it. Dominique Rogers Cromarty doesn't know how he did it. But they ruled touchdown in the far right corner of the end zone. The handoff on the reverse to Antoine Ramallel. He's going to throw it down the field. There's a man open. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Hines Ward. The Steelers score from 43 up on a gadget play that they worked on in practice on Friday. There's Renegade, and this place is alive. Flacco in the gun. He throws the pass, and it's intercepted. John Colomalo at the 40, 35, 30. Flacco's at the 25. He's running right at the 15. He turns and goes for the goal line, and 
carries him for the Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown. And this place is on fire. Yes. Pittsburgh ball. Brett Diesel. He pulled it into his beard. It's a goal line stand for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Listen to this place. I love it. Do you love it too? Double yoy. The only jet going to Dallas will be the one carrying the six-time Super Bowl champion. And in the shotgun, Steelers trailing by three. Throws it over the middle. The pass is it. Touchdown! Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Nine seconds left. And Antonio Brown wills himself across the shot. you got to be kidding me. And Super Bowl 43 is history. The Pittsburgh Steelers have won the Super Bowl for a six-time unprecedented in the annals of NFL play. Hi, this is Art Rooney II. On behalf of all of Steelers Nation, I'd like to congratulate Bill Hillgrove on 25 years in the booth. Congratulations and thanks, Bill. Go Steelers. Don't go away because there's a lot more football to be played. Uh well, uh, wow. let's hope there's a whole lot more to be called by uh, by you there, Billy Billy Hillgrove. Congrats on a quarter century calling Steeler football. I saw him after the game. Uh, we popped out on him as a surprise, the pregame show. Yeah, and uh, he said he got really emotional. I didn't get to hear it. I wasn't in the booth then. He's a crier too. I bet he was. Uh... What a great guy he is. Just uh, oh, I, love I mean, him. forget yeah, his yeah. history and how long he's done it and how well he's done. He's just such a good guy. Love we him. worked together at Channel 4 for the 11 years that I was there. Uh, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but Billy is a masterful joke teller. He's oh, yeah. one of the best banquet MCs <laughs> yeah. that ever lived. And he actually <laughs> has a Rolodex of stories and jokes that he kept in his desk. And every day at 4 o'clock... Everything in the newsroom would stop, and everybody would crowd into our filthy sports department, and Billy would have the joke du jour. <laughs> and everybody in the newsroom would pile in there, and he would tell his joke of the day, and everybody would laugh, and then everybody went about their business. You know, he's a big jazz guy, too. Oh, and oh yeah. I mean, he's got a great uh, radio show. Yes, on. and Labs and I were doing a show at training camp, and we had uh, Billy on with us, and then Will Allen was coming on, the uh, former Steelers defensive back. Yeah. And Will Allen looks at Bill and then he hears Bill say a couple things and he says, hey, you're that jazz guy. <laughs> and Bill was so tickled. Apparently Will Allen's a big jazz fan. Yeah. You know, who doesn't know Bill Hillgrove from doing football and basketball? Will Allen knew him as the jazz guy and, yeah. and that kind of made Billy's He's day. He's on DUQ doing jazz. Yeah. I went on a, I was I doing a basketball. I on Saturday, as a matter of fact. I was doing a pit basketball game on radio because Billy was doing it on TV. Uh, so... Uh, Group went out to dinner, and he and Dick Rowe were. It was New York. We we're doing a St. John's game, as I remember. So they said we're going to this jazz club in Manhattan. We go every time we're here. You want to go? Well, okay. That was a big mistake on my part. Those guys all night long. Just oh, they, and, they, oh. They, he knows all the performers. They come over and yeah. Uh, have a beverage after their set. Ab- absolutely, it was all night. Hey, long. how you doing? And then they start hey, talking jazz like they're breaking it down in the film room. When we roasted him, he was so funny. I mean, hilarious. Was that the one that Mark Mark May Mark May yeah. posted? Okay, and basically eulogized him, said nothing mean about him at all. Yeah, and then I was the first one up. Yeah, we said lots of mean things. <laughs> that didn't happen in my roast. <laughs> there, was, there wasn't one nice thing said the whole evening, as I remember. That's not right. No, it was pretty bad. 
Yours is bad. <laughs> Stan Saverin, uh, Stan, who do you have on the show today? Uh, Tunch will join me every Monday or day after a game now, and um, uh, we talk about that. Then, obviously, the Steeler game, uh, the Ford. Michael McHenry will join me at 1 o'clock. We'll talk a very little Pirates baseball. Gene Steratore on the show tomorrow as we do our Zebra review, and Cam Hayward, carry on my Hayward son, 845. Yeah! Billy Gardell at 9 a.m. That's tomorrow. Michelle's coming up next. TV. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.